0: It's the State of Gaming Podcast.
1: Hello, hello, welcome back. It's the Pop Zara Podcast Special Edition. That's right. It's the State of Gaming Special Edition because we're talking about the best, the worst, and everything else when it comes to video games for the year 2023. That's right. Even though you're listening in 2024, We're going to look a little back and see what the best and everything else was that we loved, hated, and just, well, frankly, were indifferent to last year. And because of this, I cannot do it alone. That's right. The State of Gaming's normal, regular, and awesome co-host, Mr. Corey Gallagher, is back once again. He's in the background. But as usual, we brought in a special guest, our favorite special guest for this. He's been here many times. Mr. Antel Bokar is back once again. Gentlemen, welcome back to the PopSara Podcast.
0: Hello, hello. Thank you. Corey, hey, thanks very much. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, Corey, I haven't, haven't talked to you in minutes. Seems hey, like never thought, right? So, let's just say this out of the way real quick. Um, I think we both... Uh, Corey, you and I have spoken ad nauseum about this, but I think it bears repeating. 2023 was really, really good for games, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, there were a ton of good games that came out. You know, We were talking a bit before the podcast that it's a little difficult to uh, talk about every solid game that came out just because there were so many.
1: Too many. Um, in fact, the overwhelming ratio of great to crap was very very high this year i think um normally what we usually do we it's in the title we said the best the worst and everything else but i don't think any of us really want to spend a lot of time on the garbage like we can mention them in briefing and disappointments but for the most part oh I no think- i've got a few i've got a few bad ones to talk <laughs> oh, about. oh no we're going to we're don't definitely, worry we're definitely gonna t- t- talk about that but overall, it was a very good year. I think for everybody, every platform, every genre, everything. And before we wrap up, I do I did want to ask you guys, so think about this while we're talking. When was the last time you experienced a year that was this good? And we can get into that before we go. I don't want to delay the inevitable. But let's just talk about this. So Antel, 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 you, a little bit about yourself real quick. You've been on this podcast many times. We always enjoy having you. So before we start in... Can you just tell the Pop Zara people who are new listeners a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. I am the games and tech editor at Third Coast Review and an editor at CultureCombine.com. Um, I've been a game reviewer for, oh God, like over a decade now. I've been, you know, retro games enthusiast for, you know, most of my life, as long as there's been retro games for like, uh, what, the last 20 years now. So um, yeah, I love everything video games.
1: Yeah, retro has really taken off as well. I think we talked a little bit about this last year, but like the, the problem is the more you age, the more things become retro. <laughs> that's, that kind of gets folded in a little bit. So I don't know. What's the cutoff for retro now? What what, well, what, what a console generation.
0: That's kind of what I was realizing <laughs> when I was saying <laughs> that because, um, I don't know, it's actually pretty, I think PS3 era. Oh, oh, what goodness. is that? Uh, sixth generation is being considered.
1: Oh goodness like whatever whatever you can easily emulate is now retro <laughs> so but um no we'll see we'll see how it goes. we'll we'll get into this too. Um, I will avoid the topic because it makes you feel older like when you when you you know you're older when the stuff you were looking forward to is now considered old. so it's uh it's inconvenient. So, Corey, 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 now you, you're you on this thing every month, so everyone knows who you are. Everyone knows your peccadilios and everything.
2: Hey, as well they should.
1: As well they should. Um, you had a pretty big year uh, regarding this, too. You played a lot of stuff. Can we just say I this? I played like... a whole
2: bunch of games. Yeah, we're looking at uh, looking at the list now, and I've uh, got uh, quite a few on here.
1: Mm-hmm. So, he tried to play everything that came out this year. I don't know if you succeeded, but you definitely made an effort at it. So Absolutely. let's just say this. Uh, we'll do it alphabetically. That means Antel. You got A, B. You, by default, you're the first take us through what were your favorite games of 2023
0: uh, sure thing i actually have um i don't know i might have a little bit more of a um uh controversial list i try to find things controversy that, oh no yeah some people um i'm actually finding one of my well let's just go through it and <laughs> then we can we can figure that out uh first of all no controversy with my first picks uh dead space remake of course was fantastic First of all, I, I want to talk about the graphics, and I really rarely talk about graphics in video games. But um, I remember uh, playing some very visually impressive games this year, but nothing comes close to Dead Space. Um, the atmosphere just the level detail and, um, you know, the horrific detail. And obviously it's Dead Space, which it's a fantastic game. And the remake is probably the definitive version of the game. Um, you know, they took out some of the unfun parts of the original and, um, you know... Added some things like, you know, Isaac's face and whatnot. But I don't know. I, I think it was absolutely fantastic. I don't know if you all got a chance to play the Dead Space remake at all.
2: course So I did. I took a look at it. Yeah. Um, actually, ended up writing about it for Pop Zara. And one thing I noticed, you know, um, I, I say this on every podcast that we do for, um, you know, State of Gaming each month. Uh, we don't, or I don't, uh, necessarily finish every single game I review. Um, my take has always been that if you're going to tell me that your game has eight hours to get good – uh, I'm probably not going to make it through those eight hours. Sorry, and I'm not going to say that the Dead Space remake was bad, but I will say that in anticipation of it, I played a fair amount of the first one again, having already beaten it, and I found that the remake had a lot in common with it. So much so that it felt like I was, you know, it was very much a remake. Let's put it that way. Um, so I guess I'll ask you first. You know, having not finished it myself, uh, does it open up, change the game a little bit as you keep going?
0: No, it's it's pretty similar to the original experience because I actually coincidentally just played the original. Um, shortly before the remake was right. launched. Um, I can't remember, for, uh, either way. Um, but yeah, it, it's very, very similar. Uh, they change a few things, you know, like uh, the character has a, um, actually speaks, because uh, he did not in the first game. That was, right. you know, the... He,
2: he did the second time. on the first.
0: Yes, yeah. Right. And um, uh, no, but yeah, it's pretty much the same. Um, the enemy uh, AI acts a little bit differently, um, which, you know, some people don't like, but I, I kind of like the new enemy AI. Uh, Movement. Uh, Enemies pop up now in areas that you haven't explored or that you've already explored. So when you backtrack and look for new stuff, you'll, you know, get surprises where that didn't really happen in the first game. But no, for the most part, it's pretty much the same. Just absolutely gorgeous, though.
2: Oh, yeah. But I mean, from like a presentation perspective, you're absolutely right about that. It is beautiful.
1: I, uh, on Corey's recommendation, I missed it when it first came out until. So what I did is I actually went ahead and I paid for the EA Pass thing. What is it called again? EA Pass? Press Pass, Press Play.
2: Uh, EA Play Pro, I think, is what they EA call it. Play EA Play
1: Pro. Like, they need to need work on that. And I beat the game. And the very next day, the very next day after I beat it, the game went on Xbox's Game Pass. So EA Press Play or Pass got deleted. But, uh, the good news about
2: <laughs> that is that you were then able to play <laughs> surprise sleeper hit Immortals of Avium.
1: Oh, yes, I actually did. I actually played both of them. I'm not even them. joking. The game actually is pretty good. <laughs> no, I actually, I actually played both of them. Um, I... Um, I have different thoughts than you do about that game. Um, I will say this, though, Antel. I, I did beat the game. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it's clo- it's the closest thing we'll ever have to a real version of The Thing. Because let's be honest, you know, Dead Space borrows a lot from The Thing. But yes. Now, quick question. You said controversial, but quick question about Dead Space. Um, this is a franchise that people started out really loving. Like Gaga over, right? Is the next Resident Evil. And then Thud. And so do you think that we're going to see remakes of two and three? And if you and if we do, do you think they can fix what was wrong with three?
0: Uh, OK, <laughs>
1: I liked three. <clears throat> so, I mean, but you do realize that's where it, <clears throat> that's where it kind of dropped off. No,
0: I
2: know. How many, I, deserve, I how many know. supply packs did you buy in three? Uh, Yes, thank you. (laughs) I know there's
0: controversy with it, too, but, you know, that was EA at the epitome of evil. But um, I'm a sucker for co-op games, and I love co-op horror, and I know um, uh, some people said it took away the scariness, but honestly, um, some of the situations you find yourself in in the third game are just so, um, I guess, uh, almost, you know, Elder God, you know, facing that even with a partner it feels like you're in over your head. So I don't know I I really enjoyed 3. Um, I'm actually kind of bummed that the general public didn't and that's actually one of the games that I have a hard time seeing why so many people didn't like it Um, because usually I could be like okay I get it and I'm just weird and I like it but I'm unapologetically and um, you know I'm a huge Dead Space 3 fan.
2: Hey you know when we get get to my worst games of the year don't worry you're going to be in good company. Just wait.
0: (laughs) Oh I've I actually have a couple of my best games here, hear any worst games. I'm telling you, I have a, um, I have a differing opinion sometimes. Well, um, in fact, uh, oh no, let's get to the next one yeah. actually. Um, Amnesia the Bunker. I loved this game. Uh, I, this was kind of a sleeper for me. I wasn't expecting it. I had the key for a while. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm finally going to play this because I, I really didn't like Amnesia Rebirth. Um, if that was the last game, um, Uh, you know, I felt like it took away, you know, like pull back the curtain too much and show too much of the, you know, the mystery and reveal too much of what you're not supposed to see. And, you know, the unknown is scarier, but Amnesia the Bunker kind of goes back in the opposite direction. Um, I have to say though, I'm a big frictional games fanboy. I've loved their stuff since, um, Penumbra. Um, and I've been playing their games ever since then. And, uh, Amnesia the Bunker kind of brings back everything that was good about the original games. Like, um you being mostly helpless you can't fight back and then it adds some things from other games like um a persistent enemy that follows you and you have to avoid you know a la alien isolation um and it has a bit of rogue-ish type elements um like well just randomization i should say really because uh, you know items are randomized um on new playthroughs some of them are um but i i I absolutely love the atmosphere of that game and like i said it it feels like frictional coming back to its roots and um it it was genuinely scary um not perfect though the monster itself was kind of goofy it's not um i compared it to alien isolation but it it definitely wasn't like trying to hide from the xenomorph but i i love the bunker it's one of my favorite games
1: when you um do you remember the first alien movie the ridley scott film like people and i there are different opinions people like can you watch it now and not think the alien is trying to give them a hug? <laughs> you know the scene? like um, It's supposed to be scary, but now you look at it, it looks like he's hugging. Or yes, she's hugging.
0: Um, I, I, the exact scene pops in my mind. Um, <laughs> no, he's still terrifying. I have a visceral fear of the aliens from that film. Uh, I don't know, maybe I was traumatized as a child, watched them way too early, but those things just scare oh no, the
1: they're of me. They're still the most terrifying creature ever created for a film. You know this. Like, it's bar none. They're terrifying. Even the hugging ones.
0: Yes. (laughs) Especially the hugging ones.
1: Especially the hugging ones.
0: Yes. Um, Did you guys play the bunker at all? Um, I haven't really had that much discourse about this game because it feels like it kind of got, you know, overwhelmed with the wave of other great games.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I actually managed to miss this one, but I have heard a whole lot of good things about it. Um, you know, when I'm going to work in the morning to listen to gaming podcasts, and there was definitely a period where every single one was like, I made the bunker, it's super spicy, you should probably get on this. And I'm like, I would, but I can't.
1: That's what, But that's what we're here for. People say, you know what, I missed that, I'll go back and try it. Thank you, Antel, for this amazing advice. That's what we're here for. We do it. Yeah,
0: and I'm trying to find kind of the. A... The um, I don't know the deep dives. Anyways, even though I have a few um, I guess common ones on here. But the next one I want to talk about, which is kind of controversial, is Jusson. I love that game, and I know it's on Corey's. I think oh Versa no, game yeah. I
1: know, no. shut it down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we could um, if you want to hit it, why it's terrible. Um, when we get to it, that's fine. But um, I don't know. It's it's almost takes the puzzle game exploration game and cozy game and kind of like mashes them up i know it's not perfect and it's kind of buggy and the climbing can be janky sometimes but i actually kind of bought into their hype it, i felt like it was a nice relaxing game and i remember um some games when you're reviewing them you know you absolutely like man i don't want to you just seeing the title screen just kind of makes you you know recoil and you want to leave but like bringing you song up i was just i don't know it's just great you know like i just felt calm and peaceful i'm like yay, i get to climb i get to climb a little bit more and um you know explore this amazing world and um you know figure out the next way i'm going to get to the next spot because you know it was basically like a climbing puzzle game and yeah. i'm hey, i I'm told that uh, that noise that just happened now
2: uh that wouldn't be the giant bag of money they're paying you dropping <laughs> on your desk would it no <laughs>
0: No, um, I haven't. But the thing is, like, I haven't heard that much about this game. Um, and that's probably because, you know, it got middling reviews. But I couldn't believe that it would make your worst game list because I know so, it's. I mean, I'll just drop it now since we're talking about it anyway. And there's no reason to go
2: back and say the same stuff again later on. I was kind of over the whole first, per- a first person looker genre Maybe back when Deer Esther came out. And the fact that we're still making games where, you know, this is a climbing game, and that's a cool idea. You know, I liked it when I was playing it in VR with the Horizon game on PSVR 2. I thought that was super cool. Um, but a climbing game where you can't fall, and you mostly just walk around and read the lore, and it's a little buggy for a game that doesn't really have gameplay. How does that even happen? I don't know. It just didn't really do it well, for me. Though I will say that, as I noted, I said it was bad, but not the worst. The worst is later. Well,
1: <laughs> quick question though: um, Was 2023 the year that climbing games became a thing? Like, I know there was some before, but there were a lot. Of, like, there were a lot of like headline stealing climbing games. It wasn't just Tucson, but like, what was the big one? Only Up was another, was one of them. There, like, every platform had one.
2: Oh, you know, I'm pouring one out for Only Up right now. You can't even buy it anymore.
1: Yeah, was that the one that was taken off because it became too successful? That is the one.
0: Much like Flappy Bird. Like Flappy
1: Bird. Like, it's too successful. As far as Juissant,
0: I I like the fact you can't fall and die. um, I'm afraid of heights, and this is a game that I actually felt not afraid the entire time I played. I mean, I don't need to see, you know, like a grisly ragdoll death, um, Mm. you know, because I failed... uh, uh, my swinging, jumping puzzle, and and it, they did a really good job with the way the climbing was because later on it's kind of more complicated. You know, you'll put a piton in and you know, like um, swing across and um, uh, you know, grab onto a handhold and then you know, moving handholds. I, I just found it really clever. And of course, you know, you could always, you know, bust out your French accent and say Juson? You know, uh, that's, you know I thought that's,
2: that's
0: totally reasonable. And I'm just
2: going to go ahead and add that to my list of people's fears that I keep.
1: so climbing up so what else is after Tucson?
0: okay super mario brothers wonder which uh is a non-controversial pick i know some people said it was a little easy but um you know it's a nintendo game and i don't want to i guess bash my head against the wall when i'm playing uh a nintendo platformer that's also for what the you know the special secret levels are for Um, But I loved Super Mario Bros. Wonder. It wasn't as much of a, um, I guess, reimagining as everybody claimed it to be. It was pretty, you know, as far as Mario games go, basic. It felt like games like um, Super Mario 3D World took more chances. But Wonder is a super solid platformer. It has fun power-ups. I love the fact that, you know, you can go into the... I can't remember what it's called now, but you can find the... Star and go into the the, or the Wonder Seed or whatever, and go into the you know alternate Wonder Dimension and do all the crazy stuff. Um, absolutely loved it. Played it in co op with my wife, um, which you know made it better. And um, yeah, I loved Wonder.
1: It was uh, it was one of my top top five.
2: Two. I actually, you uh, know, as we continue the list here, and I'll go ahead and mention it now because again, we're talking about games that have come up a few times. Mm-hmm. I definitely just mentioned the the usual suspects, so I'm going to let you guys talk about Street Fighter VI, Mario Wonder, Tears <laughs> of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate, <laughs> because whatever well, I'm going to say, you guys are probably going to say too.
1: Well, uh, how about this though? How about this, Antel? Let's just say this: you can't talk about Mario Wonder without talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie, which was, you know, for most of the year the, the biggest movie of the year until Barbie came out. This was a very good year for Mario, like as a brand and as a character. And um, one thing, and Corey, and you and I chatted about this too, I don't know what you think, Antel. Like One of the criticisms that the Mario movie had is that there was no story, or the story was very basic. Like, you know, when you say Mario Wonder was too easy, but that's sort of the point, isn't it? Like, at, at some level, it's supposed to be all ages. Like, it's supposed to be something that everyone can play on a certain level and get something out of it. And... Um, on Mario Wonder, I remember the very first le- Very first thing you do is you turn into an elephant, you know. And then in the second level, there's a musical with piranha plants. Like it's, it does, it just, it. You wonder, like, are the people at Nintendo, like, what type of drugs are they filtering through the water system? And are they, er- and are they ever going to run out of ideas for the Super Mario games? Is, is it possible?
0: it felt like for a minute there um uh in some decade probably about 20 years ago 15 years ago that they yeah. kind of ran out of ideas the but new, um the new,
1: the new super mario brothers right like the yes
0: yeah yeah but you know they're doing a great job with wonder and i hope that it continues um i know some people are disappointed because there, there was no odyssey too, but honestly i kind of like it when they stick to their you know more co-op platformy roots than going the <laughs> you know single player route um not to say Odyssey was a bad game. It was great. But, you know, I prefer kind of more games like Wonder or 3D World.
1: Yeah. I, like I said, it's, it, you're, spoiled for, you're spoiled for choice, I think, with the Mario series. Like, I, yes. I don't think anybody would argue that the Super Mario series is not the most successful video game franchise of all time for a reason, right? Isn't it funny, though? Like, if you were going to take a scoreboard of 2023, would you ever have, like, Super Mario that borrows from Dark Souls on your board? Like, like I, like um, inspiration from everywhere.
0: Yeah, and um, no. To answer your question, no. But I mean, like, I wasn't surprised when uh, I guess I saw that because a lot of people kind of were jumping on that bandwagon, and um, I, it's a it's a great feature. I mean, it's it's just smart, um, oh. and uh, it's so it's fun to have that like you know passive multiplayer.
1: I'll say this my only we could, we could make this a whole podcast about Super Mario Brothers Wonder. We could do that, but um we should, but I'll say this one one thing that really struck me though, and I think this will be the, my final thought on it, is that if you would, everyone was talking about the switch too, right or oh, we could have a new Nintendo console new Nintendo, if Nintendo had debuted a switch 2, and be honest here, if they had debuted, if they had actually shown off a new console last year and they showed footage from Super Mario Wonder, would you have believed that was new hardware? Based on how the game looks,
0: I think they would have sold me on that. Sure, um, I mean that's kind of a strange question because Nintendo isn't really like
1: about graphical
0: fidelity. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if they showed me, you showed me a picture of a Nintendo system from the future and it looked like Super Mario Wonder, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised about that either.
1: <laughs> like I was, um, we mentioned like uh, you know our, not our necessarily our friends, but we mentioned like you know the, the website Digital Foundry, which you know. Is you know specializes in making you hate things you thought you loved, right? But yes. they uh, they did include Mario Wonder on their best looking games of the year, and they they commented what a lot of people said that they wonder, like literally wonder, how many more years they can continue squeezing out of that hardware. Like every, I think most people, including you and Gory, believe that it's probably time for new hardware. But at the same point, when you're playing Mario Wonder, you don't really think about that. Like, it doesn't even... I don't think it ever comes up. Like, oh, you're just enjoying the game for what it is and how good it looks. Because it does look pretty extraordinary. Yeah, and um, a lot of that has to do with, like, I think,
0: solid frame rate and great art direction, too. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful-looking game. And um, they, you know, absolutely one of the best Nintendos, but out in a while, honestly, in my opinion. To move on, mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk about the System Shock remake. Uh, this is a game that I thought was fantastic but I didn't really see it on too many best of lists. I know they were loaded lists this year, but and I feel like if the, the field was a little bit smaller, this would probably be among the top. First of all, uh, Shodan was my original scary AI villain mm. well before GLaDOS. And, um, you know, while GLaDOS is scary, she's not as terrifying as Shodan. And the System Shock remake, I guess technically it's just incredibly um, impressive because it's, you know, very remade. It's essentially a new game. They took a game that was like, a you know, in a 2D engine that mimicked 3D sprite base, and they made it a fully 3D world without sacrificing too much of the, you know, gameplay. It's almost like one-to-one gameplay taken from, you know, like a, almost like a, man, I can't remember what engine that was on, but, you know, like almost like a Doom engine game to, you know, a fully 3D Unreal game that is absolutely beautiful and, you know, actually translates pretty well. I loved the remake. I thought it did suffer a little bit from its constraints from being original because it was... um, uh, It's not a corridor shooter so much, but there are a lot of corridors. It's very corridor-heavy. But other than that, like, it absolutely, um, I guess, shows the horror of Citadel Station that you couldn't see in the sprite-based game because it was... uh, um, limited. I guess a lot more horrifying. Yes, it was limited.
1: You know, um, the game yeah, the game was made by, uh, developed from a studio called Night Dive Studios. Yes. And th- another game they had last year was one of my top three favorite games of the year. And it was also a remake of a 90s game. You know, we can get into that later. But they also developed Quake 2, the Quake 2 remaster. And that was, I, I'm ashamed to say that I probably put more hours in the Quake 2 remaster than anything else last year. I was I was kind of obsessed with it for a little bit. I lost some friends and family because of it. But um but no, I I've, I I've, uh, the System Shock remake is on my list. Like it looks extraordinary, but I'm wondering, like you said, I was always wondering how much they changed. because you know, you always get a little a little a little nervous when people remake classic stuff because sometimes they they overcompensate and they kind of take away what made the original thing so special. And but you're saying they didn't do that with System Shock?
0: No, they did a really good job. In fact, um, I feel like the atmosphere is much better because you can convey that atmosphere better in the Unreal Engine than you could, you know, back in the day with that limited engine. Uh, also, it does feel, um, of course, my memory when I played that game, like, what, 20 years ago, 25 years ago? It, it could have even been longer <laughs> retro, than that. I'm, retro,
1: remember? Retro. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> but um, it was it was a long time ago I played that. So, I, you know, my memory is a little hazy at that time. But, you know, it, it feels like System Shock. I... I remember, you know, that item being in that locker so to speak and it was there in the remake, you know. It, it was what I expected and it was a great game.
1: Another another one of my favorite games of the year which I'll get into when I do my list was another game from that era that was not changed at all and I think it's it goes in the exact opposite of System Shock remake, which I'll talk about later because I don't want to spoil it, but um but no, it sounds I've heard nothing but good things about the System Shock remake. I it's just there's so many good things this year. It's it's on my list. Um, It should be, anyway. But anyway, what do we got after System Shock? All
0: right. Uh, I got a few more. I'll I'll wrap it up here so I don't take up all the time. Uh, I got uh, Metroid Prime Remastered. Um, I'm a huge sucker for Metroid Prime in the first Mm -hmm. place. Uh, Don't really need to speak much about the remastered game because, you know, it's just Metroid Prime, prettier, and runs great. I know they changed a few things graphically. I know they did a few geometry tweaks, but, you know, for the most part, it's just Metroid Prime. And it's a fantastic appetizer for Metroid Prime 4, which I'm hoping will come out sometime soon. Maybe. But I
1: wouldn't mind. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't maybe. mind if
0: you know we saw a remaster of the rest of the original trilogy too, like Metroid Prime uh, 2 and 3.
1: So what you're saying is you have one of the best games ever made, that's slightly prettier and sli- and runs slightly better. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. It's still absolutely one of the best games ever made, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, moving on quickly, though. Um, uh, let's skip over. Spider-Man 2 is on my list. I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. Um,
1: we, you know, we can. Um, you're talking about Marvel Spider-Man 2 for the PS5? Yes. Yeah, we can talk about it. Would you? Would, I mean, a lot, it's on a lot of people's lists, by the way. Just
0: yeah, no surprise. Um, it's a fantastic game. Uh, I'm a huge Spider Man fan in the first place, I grew up loving Spider Man. I think Spider Man and Batman were my two, you know, heroes, and they did, you know, obviously, they changed the Spider Man lore from you know what you'd expect, but I actually kind of like the changes, they make sense for the game. And um, I really love the dynamic between Peter Parker and Miles Morales, you know, the the Spider-Mens and how they work together. And it's this wonderfully wholesome relationship. And I just love wholesomeness. And the gameplay itself, I mean, the the spoilers, you know, the the symbiote powers that you uh, get to develop. And um, when you finally get to play as, you know, Venom himself, it's just amazing. Um, And I can't wait for the (laughs) upcoming Venom game, because, you know, not only a Spider-Man fan, but huge Venom fan. And, of course, they teased um, Cletus Cassidy and uh, Carnage, so um, that that could be cool, too, in the future. But, anyways, Symbiote Power is absolutely great. It felt kind of like, oh, what were those games? Um, I can't remember. Luricite. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. I did, you knew exactly what I was talking about. Yes, it, it kind of yep. felt like Prototype, but um, uh, in a less murdery sort of way. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's no surprises on my list. Uh, it was almost perfect game.
1: What was the what was the PlayStation franchise uh, with the superhero that was really popular until it sort of died out? Was it Infamous? Infamous, that's right. Um, that was that was.
2: Please was ask me more about no. these superhero games. Nobody remembers anymore because I got them all. <laughs> no. They made a whole
1: game on the PS2. It was
2: pretty well, good. Try that one.
1: I was I was always on Team Crackdown when that game came. I was a huge fan of Crackdown, the first Crackdown, and very very disappointed by Crackdown two, and very indifferent on Crackdown three, but. Other companies did the, the, the topic better. And I think you're right, Antal. I think for a lot of people, the Spider Man series on the PlayStation has been sort of the pinnacle of that, that whole thing. Cash your question, though. There's a thing that came out last year about this game $300 million to make. Do you buy it?
0: Ooh. Um, I, I didn't hear that number. That's crazy. Um.
1: Yeah, $300 million um. for this game. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yes, that is crazy. I, you know, if you would ask me the budget, I probably would have said about fifty to one hundred million. But you know, it's getting more expensive to make games. I keep telling people that when they scoff at game prices. So, um, <laughs> um, I mean, if it took three hundred million dollars to make Spider-Man Two, then I, I think it's money well spent. But that is that hmm. is a high number. That is crazy.
1: Did you did you like the movie? Did you like the Spider Verse sequel?
0: Uh, oh, I didn't actually watch the Spider Verse sequel yet really? because I heard it ends on a cliffhanger, and I just kind of wanted to wait. But yeah, I'm sure I'll watch it sooner than later. Yeah, I'm I'm bad at watching movies. Like I said, there's so many games I couldn't even play all the games this year. <laughs>
1: well, it just it it is it is interesting though. Like like so much of this new Spider Man thing like is so reliant on Peter Parker and Miles Morales, and they do really work well together. And I think that's pretty obvious.
0: Yeah, and I was kind of salty about it at first because I'm, I'm a huge Peter Parker fan, but I love the Miles Morales character and um even even in spider-man 2 i you know i i wasn't uh bashing the character at all but i kept saying like okay you know miles morales which new crazy power are you gonna get now because you could already have all this electricity stuff you're invisible you know, all Peter Parker just has some gadgets. But then, of course, he gets the symbiote stuff. But, yeah, I love Miles Morales' character. And, um, you know, Peter Parker kind of being like the, you know, big brother figure to him, I think, is a great dynamic.
1: There's um, there's a really fun Easter egg in the Spider-Verse 2 movie because they, they just go all out of the multiverse. They, they literally show hundreds of different variants. And they actually have the, um, the, the Peter Parker from the game version as one of the variants. And they actually go even further. They go back to the Atari 2600 version, and it's just a pixel. And it's, it's very it's very funny it's very funny
0: yeah I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. but yeah that's awesome that's amazing um yeah I've seen uh, some of the variant spider-mans in there because I guess they had the um the Toby Maguire spider-man and et cetera so yeah but um yeah I love the game spider-man too it was, it was great um I don't I think it's probably up there uh, with the Arkham series as probably being the best depiction of like superheroes in video games in my opinion uh let me try to wrap up this list of yeah. mine real quick. Um let me see. Uh Talos Principle two. Kinda debated putting this game on the list. Uh it had fantastic puzzles. Um it was probably my favorite puzzle game of the year. Um however uh the lore wise, I kinda lost me. One of I loved Talos Principle the original. And I loved kind of like, you know, peeling back the lore and actually figuring out what's happening in the world and you know, um, and it was actually kind of tragic and poignant when you discover, you know, like um, I guess, you know, spoilers that the world's over and you're basically reading about, um, you know, all these people's memories of the these people have been dead for, you know, like hundreds of years or, you know, at this point, and it's kind of sad and, um, you know, kind of, um, I guess, uh, inspirational to see that, you know, like, oh, I'm this thing that they created and whatever. I, I, I guess the point is I was I was really into the lore of the first game, but then the second game comes around and you know again it kind of has that problem of you know pulling the curtain back a little bit too far and i guess um it was a little bit too navel-gazy it kind of um it, i don't know um full of itself pretentious with its um up philo- like philosophical outlook anyhow i know it's on my best of list but i've just been complaining about it for you know the last minute but it's it's got great puzzles um i know talis principle kind of started out as like kind of a portal Knockoff in some people's mind because, especially the way the game was presented. But, um, uh, Talis Principle 2, I feel like completely gets away from that finally. And even though the puzzles are very similar, they're, um, very, uh, clever in some cases and, um, very difficult. Uh, and of course, there's always those meta puzzles that I really love figuring out where, you know, the entire world itself would act as a puzzle to unlock something. And, you know, it's Tails Principle 2 did that fantastically.
1: By the way, um, Intel, uh, you, you are totally allowed to criticize a game that you love. <laughs> like that's part that's part of the fun. You know, that's part of the the excitement of it is that you can do that and it's resilient.
0: Well, thank you for validating me because yeah. you know it's as much as I enjoyed playing the game. I just uh, I couldn't. I really just it was the story made me kind of unfortunate. Did anybody else play Tales from though? I don't know if anybody felt the same way or. Um,
1: Corey, what's your, um, fav- your favorite pro- genre. Yeah, you know,
2: first person puzzle <laughs> games with lots of philosophy in them. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. No, I didn't play it at all. I, um, I, I am mostly good at mashing buttons and drooling on stuff, so I'm afraid it's too thinky for me.
0: Well, I have to let you know that the most, my most two most played games this year were Deep Rock Galactic and Dark Tide. So, I mean, like, I'm not averse to, you know, Twitch shooters. It's literally what I play most of the time. I just love cerebral puzzle games.
2: You know, I, 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 I can respect
0: that. Absolutely. <laughs> Rocket Stone, yeah. Rockin' stone. Um yeah, I mean I'm I'm at fifteen hundred plus hours now. But um anyways, uh moving on to another puzzle. Oh my god, the rest of my list is puzzle games. Um hmm. Viewfinder. Um again, sucker for puzzle games. I actually do not love perspective puzzles in games. I'm I find perspective puzzles can kind of be like a little tedious or a little bit too um finicky. But Viewfinder actually does a really good job. First of all, it's not finicky, and second of all, um the mechanic of um I guess taking a photo and placing it in the world so that photo changes the the geometry of the world, I guess is the best way to explain it. Um, because, you know, the, the photo becomes reality. Um, it's really mind-bending to see it the first time and you're just like, wow, that actually works. And I think part of what made me like this game so much is the fact that they were able to you know, make I think it was it was a pretty short game, like four to six hours, something like that. But they were actually able to make a a, a full length game out of that mechanic, and I was just impressed because I'm like, okay, this is something a puzzle game would do for like a level. But you know, Viewfinder keeps it up. There's variations, but you know, for pretty much the whole time. And I really liked the uh, the world. It reminded me that you saw a lot in the way that like you know you're walking around and you're reading notes to find out the lore. But you know, of course, I'm more in it for the puzzles than I was for the uh, the the background.
1: Yeah. Until when I saw, I actually saw this game last year, and I actually thought this was a VR game. Is it available on VR or?
0: Oh, good question. I don't think it is. Um, I think it's only flat screen.
1: It's so strange because it seems like this would be like a perfect use of that technology. You know what I mean? Especially given the the gameplay mechanic of taking pictures and everything. But...
0: Wow, I hadn't considered that. But no, you're absolutely right. That'd be that'd be great. Like just imagine holding the picture up to your actual eye and then moving yeah. it down and it's yeah, so that'd be great.
1: Because I actually had a viewfinder as a kid. And, uh, I, yeah, that's what we used to do back in the old days. We looked at static pictures of hologram images and we loved it. We love viewfinders. I had like 50 discs for mine. God, it's kill me. like, things <laughs> no, have gotten so much better. One. Did hey, you no, have one? I
0: know somebody who collects viewfinders too. No, I, yeah, I had a viewfinder. Um, I loved it. You know, uh, that's, that was the early internet. You yeah. know? That, that's,
1: that's how we, that's, that's how we saw things. That's how we yep. looked. So,
0: not a game. Um, I love viewfinder so much. I had a, I had a, um, a globe that was like a viewfinder. You can actually look at the different. But yeah, um, uh, but as far as the game, um, like I said, uh, it's just, it's kind of like such a mind blowing mechanic that I'm actually surprised that they were able to keep it fresh for the entire run. And um, it's, it's worth playing just to see how they're able to kind of keep it up.
1: Well, you said yourself it was only a couple hours long, right? So, yeah,
0: um, that's actually, let me look it up, but yeah, I think it took me probably less than four hours.
1: That's the secret sauce right there, like, game game makers need to realize that not every not every game needs to be 60 hours long.
0: Well, uh, well, people are saying it takes about six hours for Viewfinder, yeah, but for me, um, as game reviewers, I'm sure we all feel that way, but, you know, everybody who actually spends money on games wants to get the most value for it, but... No, I absolutely agree with you. I wish every game was about 4 to 6 hours long. You know, just get in, get out and then move on with your life.
1: By the way, games back in the 80s would be like 10 minutes long. So there's a there's a compromise. <laughs> there's a compromise. <laughs> like m- the most disappointing I've ever did. I remember buying Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think it was uh what was the one on Super Nintendo? The um uh, Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time, but what was it like the sub it was like Turtles 4 or something. Yeah, it was yeah. Turtles 4. And I remember it was like seventy-five dollars back in nineteen ninety-one money or nineteen ninety-two money, and it was. A, it took me forever to save up for it. Bought the game, brought it home, beat the game, saw everything in like thirty minutes, and you played it. The only thing you could do is just play it again and again and again and again.
0: That's it. Yep, same. And it was funny, too, uh, that you say that because I went back and tried to play with my wife and we just got absolutely hosed. I, I don't know how, you know, when I was a young kid I was able to bring that game home just like you, beat it in one go. But no.
1: One go, very first time. But you know what's funny? The new Turtle game, uh, the Hyper... What was it called? The um, Good Shredder's Revenge or whatever? Yes. Like, I felt it was too long. You know, like, even like, okay, this is too much of a good thing. It's too delicious. It's too much. So I guess I, I guess it's me. I'm just never satisfied.
0: <laughs> um yeah um I mean as far as uh I don't know I, I would love to have like um the thing is like if you love a game world and you would spend a lot of time in it you know of course you don't want it to end but um if you don't love that world then you know I guess it it really just depends on the type of game it is too exactly. um, yeah but anyways to move on um the last game on my list is Firmament, and this one is definitely a controversial one because I know a lot of people said this game had horrible bugs for them, and um, I think the one of the voices was done by AI, um, which I didn't actually notice. I thought it was just a strange accent, um, so uh, maybe I'm maybe I have a blind spot for detecting AI, AI but I really liked Firmament. Um, Again, it's another one of those, you know, contemplative, walking-around puzzle games, but uh, it's it, developed by Cyan, you know, the original developers of Mist, Riven, Abduction, um, and uh, it kind of uses that, uh, kind of like the realms or worlds uh, thing that Mist did. Um, it, but it's, it's a compact game with really clever puzzles, and um, it's a game that, I guess, uh, isn't... Um, uh, how should I say this? Well, um, it, it has like a kind of a gimmicky puzzle mechanic, but they never use it in a gimmicky way, I guess is the best way to say it, because you use like a kind of like a gravity gun type thing to, you know, like power things and mani- manipulate objects. But um, it's really just a, a way to move stuff, you know, uh, so you can solve these puzzles. But um, uh, I know a lot of people ran into bugs, but through my playthrough of it, I didn't, I ran into one bug that, you know, I thought I, I broke a puzzle, but that was it. But, um, uh, I know I had good experiences with the game, and you know I actually really enjoyed it, but I know it 's actually uh i think it would had at one point mixed or even mostly negative reviews on Steam um, from my understanding, it was part of a Kickstarter campaign, and I know a lot of people who were part of that Kickstarter were burnt and you know, I can totally understand if they were promised something um, and, you know, they didn't get that, but somebody coming into the game completely fresh without any, like, um, you know, preconceived baggage. notions. I yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> but, you know, I do feel for those who, you know, put down their money and didn't get what they wanted. But uh, for me coming in, I, I thought Firmament was a great um, puzzle game. And I knew it's it's definitely not going to make any other, you know, best of lists, but it's just something I really enjoyed.
1: It's uh, You know, it's funny, like, Steam has been... Politicized to, you know, for to punish game developers and game publishers in a way that seems very backwards to me, but that's just how it is. Like, I, I wish, I don't know, I wish Valve maybe had a better system of parsing parsing that sort of thing, like Rotten Tomatoes has to deal with with movies. But, but that's what Kickstarter is. Kickstarter is you, yeah, there's no guarantee. It's a Russian roulette. If you, you invest, you may get it, you may not. So, what it goes at least it came out at least the game actually (laughs) exists. at least the game actually
0: exists Mm -mm. that's true because there are a few games that i have kickstarted um especially during (laughs) that initial huge wave that just never actually manifested but i know i said that was my last one i kind of want to um just uh mention one to see if you guys had played it or because i know this one actually made a few uh best of lists but chia um it's kind of like an um, island adventure cozy type game, uh, open world. Oh,
2: dude. Dude, is that the one where you can turn into a rock and roll around and you're a yes. rock?
0: Yes,
1: that
2: <laughs> is. Oh, <laughs> groundbreaking gameplay. I'm a rock. Look at
1: me roll around on way, stuff. By the way, Uncle, um, when Corey and I talk about stuff every month, his uh, I don't know if it's your favorite or your favorite to talk about, like the cozy genre, which came into its own. Like, it's your favorite cozy games.
0: <laughs> cozy games. Oh. Um, now, I don't know I, I feel like we needed cozy games, but it is kind of a bandwagon that everybody's jumping on but um Chia, I don't know i maybe it's not so much a cozy game as it's just like kind of a um a non stressful open world game. There is combat, um and yes, you can turn into a rock, but like you can turn into a dolphin too, and that's fun um and uh, it had some great—I um, don't know—it had a lot of heart, and I really appreciated uh, its musical aspects because it had a lot of um, uh, like—you had a not really ocarina-style um, play music, but you did have to kind of do quick time events to play songs. And um, I don't know. I, I really, I really um, like that game, and I spent a long time with it, just kind of um, exploring the islands. I didn't, I didn't actually finish it though. Um, and it's actually surprisingly dark. Um, the main villain in the island, I think the first time you're introduced to them, they eat a baby in the cutscene, like literally eat a baby. Um, so that was shocking. But um... oh,
2: man, I remember when that happened in Stardew Valley. Huh. Those <laughs> you, guys, right?
1: you know, we don't see it. We don't see a lot of uh, infant cannibalization in family-friendly games anymore it's just no I does, know. doesn't it's, really it's come
0: just up kind of bring it
1: back yeah I'm going back to where it used to be until they ruined everything but um, no I, I think uh, yeah I think we have a review for this floating on Pop Zara somewhere in that, but it's yeah this is this is something I think it it would you say it spans genres
0: huh not really um, I would I would love to say it did um, it's not Uh, I guess that um mechanically dense or clever but it's uh it's kind of like more of like a um just you know a casual exploration game um you can take it at your own pace and uh you know you can uh interact with the world in fun ways and uh you can kind of just play it as a game and there's not really many games that you could just you know mess around with anymore
1: well it's definitely adorable like that's let's just say that it's definitely very cute um but that's it. that being said. So there's, I mean, you still got time, Antal. There's still we still got a couple hours. We got all day. So if you have like another twenty, you want to go over. 40? 30, uh,
0: 30, I know um, one of my writers mentioned Hi-Fi Rush. I did not actually play that, um, uh, so I don't have much to talk about it. But if somebody wanted to. If any of you played Hi-Fi Rush and... Oh, we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I, that's another one that had popped up on a bunch of lists, too. And, uh, you know, I didn't get to that. See, these, these are all these games um, that are on so many people's lists. But, you know, I've just either scratched the surface and uh, didn't really get through. But I want to mention, since, you know, this is the best and worst of, mm-hmm. uh, another controversial opinion. And let me get to my worst of list. Well, first of all, let me say Starfield. Uh... I try to like Starfield. I love the concept of, um, you know, exploration, um, uh, sci-fi games. Uh, I still play Elite Dangerous, um, but you know, Starfield just isn't it. Uh, it was just a Bethesda game, and um, you know, it kind of felt instead of a game where you're like exploring space, it felt like you're just exploring somebody's house and going from room to room. If that makes sense, um, too many loading screens. But I uh, did not like Starfield, and I'm usually a uh, not an apologist for Bethesda, but I kind of I've been suffering through their games.
1: Uh, I don't think <laughs> that's con- I don't think it's controversial to say that. I think um, I think it's honest. I think a lot of people have. I don't know Corey, if you if we we chat about this before too, but I think there's a lot of people who, with opinions about a game like Starfield that they almost feel afraid that they want to admit that they didn't like it very much because they're supposed to? Because it's triple A, it's expensive. You, uh,
2: you clearly have not spent a lot of time on Reddit lately, have
1: you? <laughs> well, I mean, it's just that's the thing. I no, I avoid I avoid Reddit like a like a leprosy island. But um, but no, I I don't know. I I haven't played it either. I didn't actually play it despite having Game Pass and everything because I took one look at it and I realized a long time ago, Antel, that the whole Fallout motif was not for me. So I don't have an honest opinion. But visually, and just from what I look at it, to me, the game looks sterile and lifeless. And yes. it's just not appealing to me when there's so many other games that don't have $10 billion marketing campaigns that look much more inviting. Like for me, that's that's how it goes for me. So I could be wrong. The game could be great, could be full of life. But to me, it looked lifeless and sterile. So...
0: No, that's a that's a pretty accurate assessment, I'd say. And um, uh, it's not that I'm afraid of, uh, I guess, uh, criticizing AAA games. Um, they know I, where you,
1: they know where you live. You know, they will come. In, <laughs> they will come and knock on your door.
0: It's just that um, I wanted to like it so much. I guess it's I'm afraid to admitting to myself that it's a terrible game because I wanted to like it and I just I couldn't. And speaking of that, in my last game that I'm going to talk about for real this time, my last <laughs> game, my worst of list is uh dave the diver and this is definitely controversial i'm sure i i think Corey mentioned if you know it takes you eight hours to get into a game and find out what's good about it then you know it's not worth your time and that's how i felt about dave the diver um i just heard great things um in fact the uh buzz was so great i'm like hey let me see if i can get a key for that got it and just absolutely hated it um well i guess hate isn't the right word bored to death probably um i know a lot of people love the uh they felt like it was charming they love the aesthetic but everything kind of felt um uh i don't know um it wasn't novel enough to grab me and the gameplay itself was just kind of uh like i said um boring i guess um maybe i completely missed the point of it but i I just couldn't play it longer than probably the three or four hours I put into it.
1: So you're just beating up on indie games now. I see how it is. Like first you yeah, beat I up either. on AAA, then you beat up on. indie I'm gonna indie need stuff. some adult
0: beverages if I have to hear a man called Dave the Diver. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd love to hear your opinion. I love to hear dissenting opinions because you know what? I'm sometimes I'm wrong, you know, like I'm often wrong about games and I would love I love it when people love games that I hate because or, you know, even just dislike because then I could see what's exciting about it and maybe I can take that love and you know, get back to the game and enjoy it for that too. Or maybe I can just, you know, enjoy it vicariously, do their enjoyment of it. So I mean like that's fine, but like I I couldn't stay, save the time. It's exactly the type of game I would like to, and um, yeah, I just, I couldn't get into it. Uh, and honestly, I kind of feel, but uh, yeah. guilty for that. But it's not really a indie game, is it? It's um, That was one of the controversies, isn't it? Uh, I'm trying to look it up now, but um, it was actually published um, by a non-indie studio.
1: Wasn't there, um, I know there's some, like, I hate using the word controversy because it's played out. But there was some yeah. kerfuffles about Day of the Diver being listed. Like as an indie because its publisher was not an indie at the yes. the video game awards, but I ignore all that stuff. But but uh, no, I mean the, the game is definitely like I said, the game definitely received a lot of acclaim. Uh, but that's the thing though, you don't have to like something because someone else likes it. You know, different different strokes for different folks, especially when you're dealing with like that game, which like what is it? So it's a it's like four different genres in one, isn't it? Like restaurant management, like everything.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, basically the gist of it is you're a deep-sea diver, um, and you go and get fish uh, to serve at your sushi restaurant, and um, that's pretty much it, right? (laughs) Am am I missing something?
1: (laughs) No, I I haven't played it yet either, but it was on my list. I just never got around to it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I wish I had
0: some, you know, uh, I guess insightful criticism of it, but... Other than it just wasn't fun, but yeah, Dave the Diver just never grabbed me. And that that's my list. I, that's most of everything that I hated and enjoyed flying. this <laughs> year.
1: Okay. Well, Corey, I know you've been sitting in the wing just ready to disagree with everything Antel says. And oh, I can't wait. Martial combat, uh, to to engage in martial combat. It. <laughs> so how dare you have an opinion that's different? You, you can't do that. So, but, uh,
2: Nate, 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 you said opinion that's different, but I think you mispronounced it. You... You mean opinion that's wrong?
1: <laughs> yes, we have different opinion. I'm right and you're wrong. No, but that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing, though. There's so much. Uh, before we get into Corey stuff, there's so much of this groupthink where, if you if a game is not in top ten, it's not worth playing. It it must be bad because it didn't make the cutoff. This that's ridiculous. We we don't subscribe to that nonsense.
0: So- no, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, like I stream on Twitch. I mean, who doesn't? And uh, you know, timing stream. But um, uh, you know. Some of my friends, uh, you know, that I play games with over the year will come on and see me playing something that, you know, isn't the, you know, hot game of the week. And they basically say, you know, why are you wasting your time playing this? It's, it's a fun game, man. Like, play games because you like them, right?
1: That's the thing. It's There's too much information sometimes. And I feel that if a game makes a lot, gets a lot of attention and makes a lot of waves, as you saw with the Game Awards stuff, then there's this compulsion we have. Like, well, what are they, it must be good. People are talking about it. Well, a lot of that's just marketing. Like... Like uh, I would say, Corey would agree with me. I'm sure. Like um, the reason you had so much marketing for something like Starfield is that it's Microsoft's big software for the year. So therefore, they're going to put all their money into this. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a better game because it's more marketing. It just means it's got more marketing, so people are going to talk about it. But that doesn't mean the 50 other things you haven't played aren't better or more entertaining for you. You just have to figure it out. That's that's the whole thing of diversity. Like it, it's there to discover even if you don't like it so but speaking of don't likes Corey. so what are we doing what we got for your stuff
2: well, well what are you playing you say don't like is then you don't like
1: the cool stuff i'm about to talk about you don't <laughs> like me what don't you like we're prepping for disagreements
2: <laughs> so oh we're, okay, okay we're prepping all right so uh the first thing on my list is and i already talked about this a little bit i'm not really getting into street fighter 6 mario wonder tears of the kingdom Baldur's gate uh, those have all been discussed to death, and I don't have much to add about them. Uh, the only one I would specifically want to speak to a little bit might be Street Fighter 6, because yes. I think, um, in particular, the way that game handles its campaign, it's like single-player. Um, that's kind of the new hotness, in the same way that the way Mortal Kombat, way back when Mortal Kombat 9 handled its campaign, was the new hotness in terms of, you know, that was a cinematic game, we are presenting a fighting game, it's like a movie that you sometimes get to control uh, this takes the fighting game concept, turns into a full-on action RPG, uh, doesn't really skimp in any area. There's equipment, there's leveling, there's a skill tree. Uh, it's all presented really well. It's wonderful stuff. Even if you don't like uh, playing fighting games online because people people like me beat you, uh, you'll still like Street Fighter okay, Six. Okay, okay. That's what we're
1: looking at. Look, I, if anybody's listening, yeah, Corey beat me. He's better at me than Street Fighter Six. Oh, I keep saying uh, it, please. Yeah, he's – I have to say that I'm, I'm – I'm con- contractually obligated Antel every time he mentioned Street Fighter (laughs) 6 to mention that he beat me it was a big it was a big we there was a lot of run-up to that on the podcast it
2: it, was over the course of years but yeah point being Street Fighter (laughs) 6 is good stuff even if you're not going to play online you should definitely try Street Fighter 6 and this kind of goes for all those usual usual suspect games even if you don't necessarily like any of these genres you should probably at least check out all these even Baldur's Gate 3 which is a little bit more of a, of a hurdle to get into, but trust me, it's good stuff. You'll probably like it. Uh, but as for the games that I actually want to talk about, a little bit more detail, uh, the stuff that I really like from this year that might be a little bit different from what a lot of people played, uh, the first one of those is uh, Master Detective Archive Rain Code, which did either of y'all play that one?
0: Huh? No, that? that one flew completely yeah. under my radar.
2: Okay, so Master Detective Archives Rain Code is uh, the new game from the people who made Dongan Ronpa back in the day. And uh, that was a series of uh, detective-slash-murder-mystery-solving uh, visual novel kind of games uh, that I'm sure that even if you don't play a lot of anime-type games or you don't play a lot of visual novels, you've probably at least heard of these. Uh, Raincoat is the newest take on this. You control a, uh, a young detective in a city where it's been raining for the past seven years, and it's not going to stop anytime soon, and you have to solve a series of, of crimes, of murders um and you work with other detectives all the detectives have like special investigative powers that they can use and that you can use as well to help solve cases if you think um like the concept behind phoenix right but we take that concept and move it into an open world sort of thing where you have a little bit more freedom then you get raincoat it's really good stuff uh it is also one of those games that i can't really talk about too much without spoiling it But I will say, uh, I would say about the first two hours of Rain Code has maybe the biggest twist I've ever seen in a video game. And uh, you might want to check it out just to see it. Like, maybe look up a YouTube video, watch, like, the first couple episodes. Trust me on this.
1: Real quick, uh, what was the platform you played? Is is this game only on Switch?
2: This is only on the Switch. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it eventually come to PC. Um, Unlike a lot of Switch games, this actually runs pretty well on the Switch already, though. Like, I didn't feel too bad about the frame rate, about the performance. So... Don't let that dissuade you. Unlike other games that maybe would have made this list if they weren't stuck on the Switch, cough, cough, Dragon Quest Monsters Three. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, if you had some some means of playing Dragon Quest Monsters Three on, say, a computer with a really nice <laughs> video card, then you could uncap the frame rate. If you could do that somehow, but of course you can't. But if you could, uh, you could put that game on the list too. It's good stuff.
1: Awesome. Or you could just wait, like, a year. and it'll probably You could probably out. just
2: wait a year. I mean, they put yeah. Dragon
1: Quest Treasures on PC <laughs> later, and it,
2: it was much better. Point being that Rain Code, really good stuff. Don't sleep on it. Um, it's probably going to be super cheap. It may already be super cheap. I'd have to check. Uh, but it's definitely worth a look, especially if you like uh, like Phoenix Wright, um, any of the Ace Attorney stuff. If you like Danganronpa, obviously you'll like this. Trust me. It's same, really solid.
1: Same people, though, right? Who, uh, same
2: different. people as Danganronpa, yeah. Yeah. Got that look. Well, so, uh, the, the aesthetics are very similar. I mean, you can just look at it and tell.
1: Okay. All
2: right. So the next one, um, we were talking about this a little bit ago, so I'll knock it out because I think Nate really likes this one as well. Uh Hi-Fi Rush just kind of dropped out of nowhere, and I think it blew a lot of people's minds. It certainly blew my mind. I thought it was super great.
1: I. Uh, uh, what's that? Well, you he- we have to say we have to say who it was developed by because that was a shock to learn that this Yeah, was... yeah,
2: hi Fire Rush is from the people who made Evil Within,
1: if yeah. I recall or and Resident what? Evil. Yeah, the uh, I know that. The uh, yeah. well, the, the same gu- the same company. I forget the game Shinki whatever who also created some of the the best Resident Evil, yeah. I believe is the uh, yeah. It's crazy, crazy. But
2: yeah, this was uh, just apparently so from what I've heard, I don't tend to look a lot into the development stories of most games, but this one kind of came out of nowhere so I was interested. Uh this was appar- apparently like some kind of like side project that a, certain, that a group of people at this developer were working on, they're like, huh, you know, this isn't Evil Within, this isn't anything like anything we've made before, we're not super sure if anybody's really gonna like this, but lo and behold, Microsoft with Game Pass is like, well, you know, if we just kinda take your game and make it really easy to play...
1: Well, they revealed it and then released it at the same time. Th- at the same day, yeah, we like went yeah. out. Yeah,
2: it just kinda dropped out of nowhere. Uh, so, for those of you who haven't played it, Hi-Fi Rush is uh, think of it like Devil May Cry mixed with something like, um... Guitar Hero. Uh, your character who is a guy named Chai smacks up around with this guitar the electric guitar. Um, and there's a, a song playing in the background and all of your moves and even your dodging, like your jumping, everything has to be to the beat of the song. Um, so there's kind of a flow state that you get into where, you know, it's you're beating people up like a streets of rage and over may cry, but you're also enjoying the music. Uh, the final boss concludes with a performance of Nine Inch Nails is the perfect drug, which is incredibly hype. Not really a spoiler, play the game, you'll like it.
1: You know, there was a piece of uh data that came out last week, I don't know, from our good buddy Matt Piscatella. Did you see this thing? It was really depressing about this game. What's that? So full disclosure, Matt uh Matt Piscatella runs Circana, aka R I P, you know, N P D. Um, mm-hmm. he came out with a metric on high fi Rush because the game came out a year ago, and he came out and it was really depressing. I was really sad. Um, they ranked um, and they did analysis on how popular this game was because it was an exclusive on Microsoft uh, mm-hmm. like the consoles. So uh, apparently on Xbox consoles the most played, the most played games of course were um, Fortnite, Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto V. Um, Hi-Fi Rush was number 207 the console
2: brutal now one thing that uh, it's been a trend since i want to say about 2012 and i used to talk about this a lot more before it became clear that it's not going away um we've come up with a whole lot of ways to make and distribute games without them actually having to sell so you know it's unfortunate that maybe hi-fi rush didn't you know wasn't the most played or didn't sell the most but it was on game pass microsoft certainly put some money into it that's also what kickstarter is for is you get to make Mm -hmm. this game and not really be so concerned about the sales
1: well, it wasn't um, sa- it wasn't sales? It was just that was people who played the game, even though it was available.
2: And yeah, available right like right in your face. Yeah, you yeah, didn't even they, touch
1: it, huh? Yeah, that's really sad. I mean, it,
2: it also it just it doesn't really sell itself as well as you might think. It's a a pretty generic looking anime style cool. box art, and you know if I didn't eat, drink, and breathe anime so hard to think and live in my mom's basement, then I'd probably have skipped it too. But well, there, um, I'm glad I didn't. It's a good game. You should look at it and right. uh, play it. And it's on Game Pass, and you probably have Game Pass. And if you don't get Game Pass, then play it.
1: They're saying it's a, it might actually come to Switch this year, too, which is crazy.
2: I so. could actually see it running on Switch because I don't think it's uh, – I mean it's a, a very stylized game. That's great for the Switch as we saw with Mario Wonder. Yeah. Yep. So that's Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, my next one it, – it's funny. you know, is We talk about how sometimes we have opinions on games that really aren't reciprocated by the community writ large, and that's definitely <laughs> the case with this one. Um, I really liked Wild Hearts. And judging by the silence, nobody else present even knew what Wild Hearts was. Wild Hearts was um, EA's uh, take on Monster Hunter.
0: Yeah. No, no I, I heard of it. I saw some gameplay. Um, let's, let's hear why you liked it. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> so curious. first off, I really like Monster
2: Hunter. So That's already getting to some places in my book. You know, okay. you, you hunt monsters. I like that. Um, so I'm going to tell you the gimmick, and it's going to sound dumb. And it, maybe it is dumb, but I thought it was cool. So Wild Hearts, if uh, if Hi-Fi Rush was we take like Streets of Rage, Don't Make Cry, mix it with a music game like Guitar Hero, Wild Hearts is Monster Hunter with the building mechanic from Fortnite. Okay. Let me let me sell you on that <laughs> one. Let me, That's the elevator pitch. How you feeling about it now? The same. Maybe not great. Not great. Not the same, yep. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's actually a lot cooler than it sounds. Like uh, you're fighting a monster. Oh, no, the monster's charging at me. What do I do? Well, I just built a giant wall in front of myself. Now the monster crashes into that. And I get to go beat it up for a minute. Stuff like that. It's a cool idea. The monsters are very cool, stylized, like elemental theme takes on different real world animals. So you have like a grass squirrel that, you know, shoots acorns at you, stuff like that. A giant gorilla made of fire. I, I, I think it's cool, but I have the... The aesthetic sense of a five-year-old, assuming it's just me. Mm-hmm. A point being, it's a good game. It is on EA Play Pro. In fact, I think it's on Game Pass it's now, on,
1: too. It's on Game Pass now.
2: So it's, you know, it's very easy to try. It's worth a look. It's also probably not getting any further support, and they'll probably take the servers down, so you might want to try it now. If you like Monster Hunter. It's good. Trust me.
1: Trust me. I, I, uh, I have only one thing to say. Uh, I actually thought, like, this is my subconscious brain talking, Corey. When that, mm-hmm. when they saw Wild Hearts, I actually thought for a moment it was a remake of Wild Arms. No. And I was really excited for a moment. Uh,
2: that's called Armed Fantasia. That's coming out in a couple of years.
1: It actually is coming. We are getting... Yes. continue. Okay, good. Just yeah. Just saying... Or Vandal Hearts. Give me another Vandal Hearts.
2: Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but we are getting a new Wild ar- Wild Arms or whatever. It's, it's not, that's not this game, though. This is this is Monster Hunter. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on from there. Um, there were a lot of Dark Souls clones that came out this year, and I liked all of them for different reasons. Uh, long Fallen Dynasty came out, and I believe it was March... And I call that a Dark Souls clone, but it's actually closer to a Sekiro clone. And the reason for that is because there's a really big focus on enemies attacking you and you countering them uh, to the point of you know that being your main form of offense. Enemies attack you, you counter them and hit them back. Uh, and it lends the game, again, kind of a rhythmic feel to it. So you learn the enemies really well. You learn how to counter their attacks. Um, you approach each fight as almost like a song in and of itself that you know the beat of and you can beat the enemy that way. Um, and that lends it a really great feeling when you've gotten pretty decent at the game, played a fair amount of it, and you can recognize the enemies, know how to beat them. It makes you look cool, makes you feel good. It's a great game. Uh, check it out. Lies of P came out, I want to say October. That's probably right. It's close enough to write. Uh, it's on Game Pass, so is Wolong um lies of p is cool as a souls clone from an aesthetic perspective because it is basically the story of pinocchio told through the lens of dark souls uh you control essentially pinocchio we don't use that name but uh and you are going around this city that has been taken over by evil robotic puppets and they're trying to kill you and you're going to kill them back uh from a gameplay perspective it again has a lot in common with sekedar wolonga Really big focus on blocking and countering attacks in order to get in in your own counterattacks and fight that way. Uh, But it feels good. It's fun to play. Has a really cool weapon customization system where you make your own weapons. Definitely worth a look. Lords of the Fallen. Lords of the Fallen is probably the closest we got to Dark Souls itself out of all these games. And the way that it tries to differ from Dark Souls is by introducing the concept of these really big horde fights. You know, Dark Souls... You're playing it, and you see two guys, and that's a fight you gotta think about. Like, oh no, there's two guys, gotta approach this a different way. If there's three guys, it's like, maybe I'm gonna skip that room. Uh, Lords of the Fallen regularly hits you with ten guys at once. And you have the tools to deal with this. Uh, most weapons have big sweeping arcs that when you swing them, so you can fight a whole bunch of enemies at once. But there's a sense of... Um, I, you know, like almost like a power fantasy to it. Like, oh, I I defeat all these guys at once. It's great. I'm so good at Souls games, and I'm so good at life, and I don't live in my mom's basement after all. But you do. You, you do still live in our basement. Uh, so yeah, all three of those games are good stuff. They're worth a look. Um, only real complaint I'd have about any of the three is that Lords of the Fallen had very, very active developers, uh, which is usually good. Uh, in this case, it meant that they basically patched the game every other day for probably two months following its launch. So, oh no, I I logged in and the sword that I was using yesterday has been nerfed into the ground because somebody already complained about it. Oh no! Uh, so that was, you know, they they stopped doing that. Thankfully, game's good. Check it out.
1: The um, the one you you kept <clears> you kept pushing me to play Liza P for a while, and I
2: finally you did. should probably play Liza P. You know, this is a man. This this Nathan Evans right ah. here. Uh, got to the final boss in Elden Ring. I mean, the actual final boss right there. We're talking beat one more boss, you see the credits, without knowing what fat rolling is, without understanding how
1: equipment... Apparently was. I was too fat, and Corey didn't realize how I uh managed to get I, to I the final really boss. I don't really know how
2: this man managed it, but he got there, so I think... uh I think that means he's better at souls I, than anybody I know.
1: Because I ground everything to a pulp. <laughs> I found a turkey boss, a turkey thing, and I just ground that thing for like 14 hours. Like I, I did a South Park on it. If you remember that South well, Park you, episode where they ground for like the, the low HP, that was me.
2: Well, so. if you can so easily beat Elden Ring, you should really try Liza P.
0: <sighs> you know, now, I heard Liza P was the most difficult souls like ever. Can you like speak to that? Because I didn't get a chance to play it.
2: You know, it's funny. Um, I've actually seen people go both ways on this, and generally what I've seen is that if you really enjoyed and you play a lot of Sekiro, which was a game that was I almost – dis- what's that?
1: I love that, actually. My fa- It's my favorite Souls game.
2: Right, right. And you probably like Sekiro a lot because it's a game that is almost intended to reward the exact opposite play style as you normally get with Dark Souls. And everybody play- knows about Dark Souls. You roll around, hit that dodge button, roll from enemies, roll from bosses, roll through attacks. Uh, Sekiro get you killed if you do that. And Lies of P behaves much the same way, and if you don't have these ingrained Souls player reflexes, you'll probably like Lies of P a lot and think it's pretty easy because you're not going to be making mistakes that the game's intentionally trying to punish you for. So it really comes down to your taste and what you're used to and what you've played before. I wouldn't say it's the hardest. The hardest Souls game I've played is probably, probably actually Lords of the Fallen, to be honest.
1: Well, there are at least two out of threes on Game Pass, so you can check them out.
2: You can check them all out. Absolutely. Yep. Now, speaking of games that have a lot to do with going into a desolate landscape and uh, coming out alive with rewards that you can distribute to the people. That wait, no, no. Dave the Diver. Dave the Diver <laughs> is not boring. It's a good <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, Dave the Diver. So you're basically Dave. You're Dave. You're a diver, and uh, you got a friend, and the friend runs a sushi restaurant. He needs fish. How do you get fish if you're a diver? You go on. You go down there and you harpoon fish. And you go sell them at the sushi restaurant. And that's just – that's the start, the very basics. You know, it goes from there. You upgrade the sushi restaurant. Now you got to serve tea. And then you could add wasabi to the sushi. Or you go in the water, and now you have guns. You have to use guns to shoot the big scary sharks. And it just keeps expanding from there. It adds more and more and more and more mechanics. And like a lot of games that do this, one of which I will talk about in a little bit as one of my worst played – um, it, it sticks with these mechanics. Like, you never feel like you're wasting your time on something. You know, the game I used to I compare this to is, like, Warframe. Like, in Warframe, it seems like every few months, they add in this whole new system. Like, oh, on this system, you can be a chef. You can cook stuff. But then it turns out that all being a chef does is get better stuff to be a better chef with. It doesn't apply to the rest of the game. That's a pretty common problem with games that do a lot of stuff. Dave the Diver is not like that. If you get a better gun, it will translate, like, from one degree of separation... To being better at making sushi, and so on and so forth. There's this big interconnected web. It feels really good. Uh, both sides, the diving, collecting fish, and the management—you know, running the sushi restaurant and all the other stuff that you do—that all feels pretty good. And they play into each other. And Dave of the Diver is a good game, and it's not boring. I'm
0: yep. still not convinced. I'm so sorry.
2: Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But yeah, Day of the Diver, I, I thought it was great. Um, I think it's on the Switch now. It's on any platform you want, and on whatever platform you played on, I think it's pretty cheap. So, even if, you know, Antal is over here telling you stuff that's wrong and you believe him instead of me for some reason, well, you're not risking much by trying it, so you should try it.
0: Kobe. No, you should. I absolutely agree with that. You should try it. And you know what? You might love it, and that would be awesome. But I have one question about it. Um, Does it actually like, expand? Is there like some big reveal or some secret or something you don't have to say what it is but i mean like is yes, there, anything there, else?
2: there there are some pretty significant plot beats that happen uh yes let's go with that all right i might might give it another yeah. chance yeah, i'm just well, a little shocked that you didn't like it from the first step like the combination of two different gameplay styles that work so well together i feel like that's hard to beat
0: like, like well it's right up my alley too i love subnautica i mean it's that's adjacent you know um right. you know i just uh, I just never, you know, I'll, I'll try it again You've convinced me
2: <laughs> uh, Excellent, and you know what else I'll convince you of? You should go and give all of your money to Hoyoverse, who used to be called Mihoyo They ran a game called Genshin Impact They still do, it still runs, and now they run another game, it's called Honkai Star Rail and it's good
0: I like it a lot, it's good Eh? Eh? You heard of it, yeah, anybody? Yeah, that's, no, that's another one I haven't even heard of. I'm, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> uh, I tried. Okay, okay, yeah. so for the <laughs> longest time, there was a game called Honkai Impact, and that was basically a very popular phone game. And when I say phone game, and I tell you it's free, and I say that Honkai Star Rail is also free, and it's a phone game, you'll think to yourself, Corey, it sounds like it has gotcha in it. And I'm like, it, it does, it does, but don't calm down. It's gonna be fine. Um, It's a turn-based, anime-styled RPG. And if none of what I just said turned you off to the point where you're, like, fleeing for the exits, you'll probably like it because it's got a bunch of really well-designed characters. The combat is super cool. The presentation is fantastic. There is gotcha, but if you get a second job, you can afford it. I'm just saying, Honkai Sorrow, pretty good stuff. For those people
1: who... So, for those people who like Genshin Impact, right?
2: Yeah, if you like Genshin Impact, no question that you'll want to also invest a second stream of income into Honkai Star Rail. <laughs> so yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, let me, you know, let's get away from a game none of you have heard of to go <laughs> to a game none of you have heard of, uh, and this is Exoprimal from Capcom. Oh, oh,
0: yeah, I forgot that even came out this year. Okay, yeah, I'd love to hear this.
2: You and everybody forgot it came out this year. So Exoprimal <laughs> uh, is a Capcom game, and uh, b- big secret here, I'm going to think it's going to tie into a new Dino Crisis game. That's, sooner or That's
1: later. what I thought.
2: The, the plot kind of pokes in that direction a little bit, and there's a plot. So uh, Exoprimal is a, a squad-based shooter where you team up with, like, four other people, and you fight dinosaurs to accomplish missions, and uh, it, it's a it's a, it's a squad based thing, it's a squad based wave based thing. You sign up in a lobby, end up with a bunch of people. You do missions, and you know you have this AI companion that's kind of like the uh, kind of like Shodan or kind of like Glados, and he's like, go kill the raptors!" And my friend looks at me and she's like, "Wait, you're telling me raptors is not just a generic name for dinosaur?" And I'm like, "No, raptors are a specific kind of dinosaur." Were you ever a child? point being, you fight raptors, uh, you fight bigger dinosaurs that I guess would also be called raptors if that's just a generic name, but I actually like a Triceratops, there's a T-Rex, there's Pteranodons. You fight them when you're riding these mech suits and it's super cool, but the actual cool thing. So, you know, what I just explained to you sounds pretty simple and it's the kind of thing you'd play over and over again because there's a battle pass and, you know, that your suits will level up. You can get cosmetics, get skills to upgrade your suits and so on, but every so often the game just decides, hey, um, we're not going to do the usual thing today. Uh, You and this other squad of people are actually going to fight instead. Or for another thing we're going to do, maybe we're just going to have all ten people in the match today. We're not going to do that dinosaur thing at all. We're just going to have you fight this boss for the next 20 minutes. And this just comes out of nowhere. It's super cool, and whenever it happens, you can tell that Something weird's going on, and things are going to be exciting, and they always are. Uh, Exoprimal is on Game Pass, and I know that maybe what I just described didn't sell it super hard, but here's the nice thing about Game Pass: I don't have to go play Exoprimal. You probably have Game Pass; it can cost you nothing.
0: I'm already downloading it.
2: <laughs> excellent, excellent. That's all it takes, really. Um, it's a good stuff. Um, they so one of my favorite things about Exoprimal. Let's go ahead and explain. Um, when the game came out. Uh, as you might imagine, it didn't really get the biggest amount of attention, which is why it was very funny to me that one of the first things they announce when you finish the game and you have to finish the game. Um, this takes about 20, 25 hours of Exoprimal to get to the end, see the credits and see how this happened. They're like, hey, uh, you and everybody else who has finished the game can now access this new weekly event that we're going to do and haven't told anybody about but only people who finished it. Basically, it's this super hard mode with leaderboards, only accessible to people who have played and finished the game. I thought that was awesome to have created something that you are so comfortable with, you are fine with the fact that like 90% of players will never see it. And I think we got to see more of that. Last time I saw it was probably Final Fantasy XV. Talk about Final Fantasy here in a minute too. Yeah. Anyway, Exoprimo, good stuff.
1: So do you think we'll ever see another Dino Crisis?
2: Again, I am pretty confident that Exoprimal is leading us into Dino Crisis. We'll call it Dino Crisis 3 because Dino Crisis 3 never happened. There never was one.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been what, 20 years? So I think it's time for another one.
2: I, I would not be surprised if another one came sooner than later. I'm, I'm sure. Now, now, speaking of video games that involve shooting stuff, uh, that doesn't happen in this next one. Uh, you don't shoot stuff. Um, there is no violence in the void. Rains upon her heart. It, it's actually a really chill game, and you don't shoot stuff. And instead of killing anything, you love stuff. Um, you you control somebody's heart, and there are monsters, but you don't kill the monsters. You have to love them, and they love you back, and that's when they stop shooting at you with 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 hate and and fear and and sad. Okay, it's a shooter. It's a shooter. It's basically, it is a bullet hell shooter. Presented through the lens of a I guess we'd call them a roguelite. Ugh.
1: Your favorite um, your favorite term.
2: Oh god, that and cozy game, man. Roguelite and cozy game. One day we'll have a cozy roguelite, and that's oh, just man,
0: yes, that would be the perfect. The perfect I I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna buy like extra You can right now. Yeah, you
1: you bore yourself to death.
2: A cozy light or something.
1: Co' anyway.
2: Um, so the Void Bonner Bonnerheart is a really cool idea. Um, if you've ever heard of like the Toho games, or I guess those old school 1980s, 1990s shooters with you know we called them bullet hells, they just flood the whole screen with bullets and you have to carefully dodge between them, and it's beautiful, overwhelming. Uh, it's that with a run system. So you beat a monster, you get an upgrade. Maybe your shots get better. Maybe you're better at dodging. Uh, maybe you have extra health and it's this constant balance between, you know, do I want to battle an easier boss and maybe get a little bit further in the game, or do I want to risk battling a harder boss, which might offer me better rewards, which in turn might help me get further into the game in and of itself? It's a cool idea. Game still in early access. I normally do not recommend early access games because, I mean, I got to finish my work before I get paid, right? Uh, but it's one of the few times I will say you should probably check this one out. It's very cool. Um only concern you might want to have is that the art which thankfully hits a censorship option is a little bit weird maybe maybe look into that for you by this game but trust me it's a good game especially if you like things like dead cells toho etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: yeah it looks pretty good it looks interesting
2: it, it is it's a pretty solid game you know I, I am shocked at how much i ended up enjoying it and i play it on the regular pretty much all the time uh anyway uh one last game and uh you know, outside of the usual suspects, which you know, again, these have they've been talked about for ages and ages, and they don't really, you know, I don't, I don't have to add anything to that. Uh, my actual game of the year for 2023 is one that I reviewed on Popzara, and it's a game called Sanibi. Um I don't know if either of you heard of that one. Oh yeah,
0: no, I, I feel like I missed out.
2: You, I, you I, I, hate to say it, yeah. If you didn't, I'm not. not i do not blame you because this game got no marketing. It came out of uh, I believe Korea just out of nowhere. I think it was in early access for a while but even then nobody talked about it. Uh Sona b is the spiritual successor to games like Bionic Commando. So you you control a character who has a, a mechanical arm and can swing about and um you know, the, the whole game involves a lot of combat involving grappling onto enemies, grappling around different obstacle courses, avoiding shots, all presented a whole bunch of different ways, the whole bunch of different gimmicks uh, Game's not super long, lasts about me 10 hours maximum, uh, so you'll see it all pretty quickly within a weekend if you want to, and you'll enjoy every second of it. But I talk about Sonabe, not because of the gameplay necessarily, which is excellent, you know, super high quality stuff, you'll really enjoy it. Um, I talk about Sonobi because of the plot, and you know, I'm talking about the plot first off, um, as I like to say in my reviews, a video game has never made me feel anything but hungry. This game made me feel really hungry. I had to have a lot of snacks when I played Sonabe. Sonabe is about a, uh, a retired military officer who is living in the mountains with his daughter. And uh, one day there is a terrorist attack and his daughter is killed. And um, the game is we, we follow this this guy as he goes and tries to get revenge for what happened to him and his daughter and i'm not going to get into it much more than that because it goes a lot of really really cool places the point where i would say it's it very well could be one of the best plots in any game i've ever played so let me just let me assure you that if you like uh, if you like story in your games it's going to be hard to beat this one it's really solid stuff it is gorgeous it's fun to play the gameplay is no nonsense grappling excitement speed running is available if you're into that i cannot recommend this game enough it's probably like i said my game of the year for this year
1: the um Quick question about genre, Corey. Yep. So, for people looking at it, like, like now, you would look at the side-scrolling thing and think Metroidvania. Is it? Or yeah, is it? No, or not is at it, all. Or it's, is it straightforward?
2: It's pretty straightforward. Um, there are upgrades and stuff that you get, but there's not a whole lot of what we consider like Metroidvania-style exploration. Um, it, it's it is a plot that you follow, and with gameplay interspersed. So let's go with that.
1: And it's available on pretty much everything?
2: It's available on pretty much anything. You know, Right now yeah. I'm looking at the Steam reviews, and I'm seeing that people, by and large, understand what's good because it's overwhelmingly positive at 20,000 reviews. Trust me on Sanobe. You do not want to miss this one. It is $12.
1: It is $12. So, yeah, you were really Yeah, I'm already about downloading it. You, you were excited about this. You were really raving about this. And I think a lot of people have been talking about it now since, too.
2: Yeah, put it this way um, we don't typically on popzar write about games for which we don't get codes um, this is one of the cases where I didn't even ask I bought this game um, just you know on a whim because it looked cool and I played it and it was good enough that the second I was done I wrote it up
0: just had to write about it that's yeah
2: that's yeah.
1: awesome
0: <laughs> you know, it's
2: hard to be like you you really need to try this one
1: but this is this is one of those games we were talking about Corey where so much um, if you run a website, and I hate to say this, if you run a website or like Antel, you run an outlet, like you are beholden to traffic sometimes, right? And certainly, a game that's very, very popular or something with a lot of brand recognition is going to get a lot of attention, aka a lot of traffic. And if if companies invest in that and they send you codes, then you're probably those. That's going to take up your time. But that there's stuff like Sonabe that comes out that has almost no publicity, almost no, it's all word of mouth, and it's, to see this one become so successful outside of that has been very thrilling, because it gives you faith that there is a community out there that cares about this sort of thing, as opposed to just playing what they're told to play, because it's the new, it's the next thing, and it's, you know, what's that, what's it saying? Consume product, get ready for more product, you know, it's just, Exactly. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's,
2: yeah. um, I mostly see this one compared to a game called Katana Zero that came out a while back, so if you're familiar with that one, it's a lot like that. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, Corey, you um you love Sonabe, but there's obviously stuff that you're not so fond of.
2: Oh man, yeah, I've got a segway. few games that I would call.
1: Segway. It's a Segway. Yeah,
2: segway, and pretty interesting. It's yeah. a it's a gonna, it's gonna revolutionize revolutionize how we build cities. Everybody have a Segway. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right. So the games that I played that I didn't like. And I want to make one thing clear, and I talk about it a lot in the state of gaming, but tell you're not usually on that show, and maybe these people are, people are listening to this now are new. Um, I don't think we exist in an industry where there are a lot of objectively really bad games anymore. Um, I, I think we've kind of refined the concept down to the point where what I would call a bad game, I didn't like Busan, um, but that's relative. I didn't like Jusant. There's nothing wrong with Antoine Lacken, you liking it a lot. Maybe he likes to be bored. I don't know. Um, I do actually. It's it's one of my favorites.
1: <laughs> Cor- Corey, can uh, I say something? Um, I've heard you, I've heard other people discuss what you're de- you're doing, and the best um, definition I've ever heard of it is called the pizza theory. Have you heard of this? That no. that even bad pizza is still pizza.
2: That's absolutely correct. Yeah. 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 The worst of these games. I would still be hard pressed to say is as bad as something like Bubsy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which one though? There's so many bad Bubsies. But the worst the of these Fire games Wars is Final Fantasy XVI.
0: I'm assuming he's meaning Bubsy 3D, but I, I'm sorry. Bubsy's no, three i mean any bad. Bubsy.
2: The worst of these games, <laughs> Final Fantasy XVI, and I'd probably rather play Bubsy. You didn't. Yep.
1: Li- you huh. didn't. You didn't okay. like. You didn't like Final Fantasy XVI very much.
2: No, I, one of the very few extremely negative reviews I've given a game, Final Fantasy 16, is terrible. I'll go over why. It is a game where we take the Final Fantasy concept, which, you know, something I've, you know, I grew up with. I have a lot to say about that series. But more than that, it just kind of fails at what it's trying to do. We take Final Fantasy, we make it a spectacle fighter, a la Devil May Cry, a la Say Hi Fi Rush. But we don't actually do that we put it in the trappings of a spectacle fighter you know we just because we say the emperor is wearing fine robes but he's actually naked doesn't mean he's wearing fine robes and this is not final fantasy may cry this is a button mashing game basically an idle game with final fantasy trappings uh you play as a character named Clive and for the first half of the game or so, spoiler alert but I don't feel too bad about it because you shouldn't play this this is not a good game for the first half of the game or so, Clive is basically part of the underclass, he's what we call a branded, and as and I call it that, every character in the game calls that, they say it more in a more funny fashion like, branded? Fetch me a drink, branded, etc, cetera, etc cetera. Um, and all in all, it's this really heavy handed, um uh, heavy-handed plot that attempts to make a lot of social commentary, but basically boils down to you shouldn't pe- treat people who are different from you wrong, which, you know, if, if you don't already believe that, I don't think Final Fantasy XVI is going to convince you, so you should have tried harder. And in between plot segments delivered with all the delicacy of, like, you know, somebody chopping a ham, um, you engage in combat with monsters, which amounts to uh, using the single weapon in the game um, – to beat on these monsters with the single combo you have available in the game, and using a bunch of cooldown-based abilities, uh, cooldown of course being shorthand for we're rationing your funds—you so can't have too much at once—and um, it's all just, you know, it's all just a bunch of style and no substance. None of it is especially cohesive. Uh, the combat is. If this is a forty-hour game. You will be done with the combat after three. Um, there's so many things wrong with it. I, I could go on for hours. Um, there is no elemental weakness or resistance system in a Final Fantasy game. So you make a fire sword to go beat up a fire enemy with it. Doesn't matter. You got a, you got a sword, right? You hit an enemy with it. It's gonna die. Uh, you take your fire sword. Go beat up an ice enemy with it. Die. Doesn't matter. Uh, you have all these elementally themed powers. None of it matters. Then no, use what you like. Um, there's a whole bunch of different abilities you can get. You can only equip um several at once. I think the maximum is six, and they're all on cooldown, so your ability to mix up your gameplay is very minimal. Uh, there is only one weapon, as mentioned. You have a sword. That is it for the whole game. You will always have a sword. You have very slight changes to your combos from a skill tree system, but you will be done with that skill tree within half the game, and from there, nothing changes, and you still got another 20 hours to go.
1: Until I got have something to say. Corey won't say it, but I'll say it. Um yeah. Until sometimes, Corey and I go back and forth this because we've we've been to E3, we've been to the trade shows, we've done battle with publishers. Corey and I have a fundamental disagreement about whether games are art or not. Um, they're I, not. Uh, he, he thinks they're not. I think they can be. But at the end of the day, I think we could all agree they are product, right? And Final Fantasy sixteen, a game I have not played, but I will tell you this: I my tune my tuner for doing this for a very long time has got very good at this. This is one of those games that you can tell from the review almost entirely if the person who is reviewing the game has received special treatment for the review. And I will point you to a fact of this. I will point you to a very good example. You can agree with me or not. Um, I mentioned Digital Foundry a little bit ago. Um, I tend to like their videos sometimes. Uh, they're educational. But they have become increasingly comfortable with giving games that have given them access better access. and. Their entire their entire mo is to tell you about how how poorly games run, how how games look. Corey, I think you would agree with this. This game is buggy.
2: It, oh God, I, I didn't even get into that. Yeah. yeah. So you know, for a game that was sold as one of the big you know PS5 exclusives, and I guess there's going to eventually be a PC version. This game runs like crap. It runs like crap in towns. Um, all the big super impressive boss fights that people gush over actually mean that your character is the size of an action figure and he's fighting a slightly bigger action figure and in, in a big empty void because the ps5 can't handle the graphics we're trying to do i, I uh, well, uh, and as far well, as reviews go
1: what's that well i was gonna say um i again i i intel are you familiar with digital foundry and what their their shtick is yes okay now again i do like them for the most part i'm not trying to bash them but if you watch their review of this game you feel like you're watching a commercial and for a website that will go out of their way to, you know, they'll go into palpitations if a frame rate drops below 59 and a half, you know, per second, they will gloss over the game's performance issues and tell you how beautiful it is and tell you how wonderful it looks and how magnificent. And I think the problem is, is that people saw all this gushing and the problem is that the product didn't, didn't respond to that. And as a result, it's actually one of the poorest selling Final Fantasy games of all time. And it caused, it caused a lot of problems over at Squaresoft. The problem is you cannot sell a product that is not the product. You can't say it's this and that, it's this and that, and, and not have it be the way. And what I was trying to get to is that every once in a while, I will spot something where I can tell that reviews were enhanced by special treatment. And this is one of those things. And I can point out several outlets where nice words were said in exchange for access and that's not a good way to sell a game. It's just not. You know,
2: you know, Nate's Nate's bitter personal grudge with Digital Foundry <laughs> aside... I like I them!
1: Mean, I like this them!
2: Is, this is just one of those games where, you know, when Antal says he likes Juson, I can definitely see how he might. When he talks about how he likes these puzzle games, I might not like them, I can see how he might. Um, when I read a review of Final Fantasy sixteen that is so gushing to the point where somebody is saying it made them cry, or it reminded them of the best times of their life back in their childhood or that it was emotionally moving and i'm over here playing something where you you mash square for 20 hours at a time i I just i don't get it i I, this is one of the few games where i just do not understand the response by some people to it i don't think it was good i don't think you should play it i think it's pretty cheap now so if you want to you can but i wouldn't you play it Anton?
0: No, uh, I'm looking at reviews though. It seems to be pretty positively reviewed, and um, that's yeah, what I'm saying. And...
2: It's it's the most bizarre thing to me. I, I just don't understand. You know, the first five hours are rock solid. It's it's a very nice looking game. Once you get past performance issues, and for a while, it's got this combat that maybe isn't super deep, but you have it in your head that it's going to get better. It doesn't get better. It's it's the same thing for 40 hours. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't like the Final Fantasy 16 at all. But... Um, I. I normally, you know, I'll say this every time we do NPD. I don't really care where the money comes from or to whom the money goes when it comes to video games because none of it's going to me. But I'm a little glad somewhere that this one didn't sell so so they can move on to seventeen.
1: Well, you know what's funny? The this was from the developer of Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. So I mean, there might be different expectations about what they think the the fan base wants. And like I said, it they'll Here's the thing, though, Corey. If you don't like it, don't worry. There'll be more. It's never final. Oh,
2: that is absolutely true. It's, now as divisive as what I just ranted about might be, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with my next game that I didn't like. They made a sequel to Flashback, to the, to the Flashback remake specifically. It's called Flashback 2. It is horrible. Horrible. You control some dude. Honestly, I've been... I, I had to drink to forget, and it helped. I don't remember this guy's name, and he's basically on a on a, another planet, and uh, he's given worthless task complete he has to go see a mafia boss how do you go see the mafia boss you gotta pay him how do you pay him you go do chores and the chores are boring the game is boring it's buggy i didn't necessarily hate the remake but this is buggy it's hideous they had to apologize for it i don't know what happened with flashback 2 it is terrible i'm guessing neither of you two played it
1: i uh i was excited at first i thought it was going to be a sequel to the 16-bit game it was not. no it was a to the <laughs> i remake. know yeah. i know i was wrong i was completely wrong
2: so. Yeah, it is a sequel to the remake, and it's just not fantastic. Uh definitely recommend skipping it. You too, Anto. I'll skip it if you haven't played it.
0: Yeah, I haven't. Um, you know, it looked exciting, you know, for the same reasons, and yeah, I, I've stayed away from it because I've heard nothing yeah. but bad things. It, yeah, I,
2: I don't think there's any, any question about this one. There might be about 16, maybe not this one. Uh, so, we talked about cozy games, and I admit, I don't hate me the odd cozy game every so often. You know, if I want to just come back from work and sit and relax with something, and <laughs> You know, can like, build a base or contribute to something or do something like that. Maybe I'll play one for a bit. Um, but what makes a cozy game good, in my mind, is that sense of progress and, uh, you know, building onto something and adding over the course of time and feel like you're actually making a contribution to the world around you, getting to know characters, experiencing things, and so on and so forth. Uh, two of the games on this list attempt to do that, and they fail for different reasons. Minico's Night Market is available on Game Pass. And it was a kickstarted game that I think was kickstarted a long time ago. Maybe even, damn, maybe six, seven, eight years ago. And it finally came out this year and it's on Game Pass and it's bad. Um, You play a young girl who comes to town, a, a new town. She's been, she's moved there with her father and you meet some quirky characters. And every so often you go to a night market, a Japanese night market, and you sell stuff that you've made and you make money to buy more materials, to make more stuff and so on and so forth. And none of it really has any impact, you know. The characters are quirky, but not that interesting. Um, The game, again, is buggy, which boggles my mind. How does this happen? Um, It's just not very good. Um, It's not good to the point where, you know, when I see a game like this that really should be trying to hit me, like, it's got this anime styling, it's got some, you know, it really touches that Japanophile side of me and so on and so forth. And the way that it just misses the mark so completely in terms of having impact or any feeling whatsoever didn't do it for me other game that i had an issue with in the cozy genre in particular was my time at sandrock now my time at sandrock game that's been in kickstarter for again it's early access sorry for a few years and it's good Uh, my my time at sandrock is a totally good game it's completely fine and if you like this kind of game i think you should absolutely try it because you'll enjoy it my issue with my time at sandrock i put about 50 hours into my time at sandrock no joke got 50 hours and eventually, there comes a point when I'm like, man, this, um, you know, this is fun and all. I'm not really feeling like I'm making any progress through the plot, and uh, the mechanics are getting kind of stale because at a certain point, all you're doing is, you know, mining different colored ore to make different colored weapons to do different to fight different colored monsters so on and so forth. You know, there's nothing really going on, and that is when I discovered that after 50 hours, I had made it through a third of the main story of my time at Sandrock.
1: <laughs>
0: now. Is, that, is it a game that you can, like, you know, maybe you don't stop and smell the roses so much. Can you just barrel through? Is it, like, the way you played it? Or is it, like, is it just I, I, really that dense?
2: So I went over to our, a site that I'm very fond of, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with it too. It's called HowLongToBeat.com, HLTB.com. Yes. My time at Sandrock, if you were to barrel through it, only do the main story, focus yourself, nose to the grindstone, is 80 hours long. <laughs> And if you were to do other stuff, which you'd want to, because, you know, maybe you don't know the trap that you stumbled into when you start playing this. Maybe you want to, you know, interact with the characters in town. Maybe you want to build yourself a nice looking farm. A hundred and fifty hours to finish my time at Sandrock if you do other stuff, too. There comes a certain point when I'm just like, I, I can't I cannot keep doing this. I have other games to play. It is 2023. There's so much else to do. I cannot keep going with this. And so in the end, you know, I'm the guy who every time Nate brings it up, Nate mm. likes to say Assassin's Creed Odyssey is too full of stuff to do, it's too long. I, I think I, I might think I won that, I won that argument.
1: I won that argument. Because now yeah. we have Assassin's Creed Mirage.
2: That's true, that's true, which is a pretty good game. Didn't quite make the list. Good game though. <laughs> Um, I, I, there comes a certain point with my time at Sandrock when you start to realize that, you know, I don't, I will never say that I'd prefer shorter games because I believe in people getting the most they can for their money while paying the least that they can. I don't know about 150 hours of this, man. I, I, I don't know when you look at the quest list and after 50 hours, you are a third of the way done. It's just, it's demoralizing. And I don't know that I want a game to feel demoralizing (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's like when you're reading the novel, uh, you know, a novel or something, you keep looking at how much you have left and you realize that maybe you shouldn't be reading this anymore. <laughs> I, I totally feel that.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, what is going to happen in the next like 500 pages that will make this so different that I feel like I should keep going? Exactly. Uh, the final game where you talk about Jassan that I want to mention is Air Twister. Uh, Air Twister from, I believe it was Yu Suzuki, a uh, guy who worked on
1: Shinmu, and he worked on... Uh, many, of your, many of your favorite arcade games of the 80s.
2: Space Harrier. Space yeah. Harrier. That's what Air Twister is. Um, Air Twister has a lot in common with Space Harrier and Panther Dragoon, and it was made primarily for Apple Arcade, and it came to PC this year. And...
1: I thought you this liked this those... game. I thought you liked this game.
2: No, I, I, I liked the... how to explain... I'm a big fan of outsider art, you know, people who are maybe a little bit troubled, who produce these works of art, this literature, this art, these movies that are so out of left field that they couldn't possibly be made by somebody that uh, that was operating on in the same realm as most of us. And I think that stuff is really cool. You know, I'll you know, somebody weird online wrote a book and the book is really weird. I'll buy the book. Great. Why not? Air Twister is Basically Space Harrier, but we made a whole bunch of geometric shape enemies in Maya from two thousand seven, and then we set it all to the music of Queen with lyrics. It sounds just like Queen. Imagine you're playing Space Harrier, but you're listening to the greatest hits of Queen while you do it.
1: You say that like it's
0: a bad thing. Yeah. You're not exactly like selling <laughs> this as a bad game for me. <laughs>
2: Bad might not even be the right word. There was no, there was no category for strangest gameplay, so it ended up in the worst list. You, you really need to go find a YouTube video because when I first started playing this, I, I could not believe that this wasn't some kind of weird anti-piracy measure I had accidentally set off or something. <laughs> It is the strangest thing, like one of the strangest things I've ever seen. I'm I reminded of a game from, uh, I want to say a couple years ago, called Kung Fu Jesus and the Search for Celestial Gold. Where yeah, it is just you were big on that. Weird, weird to levels that you cannot really understand until you've played it. So worse might be the wrong word, but it's definitely the weirdest game i played this year.
1: Corey, did I tell you uh, about a year and a half ago I went to the world's biggest arcade you mentioned yeah yeah it's in uh it's in a town called laconia new hampshire um, i don't know if you've ever been to it it's called fun spot until i may have mentioned it and they have no, a no i've never been yeah it's basically it's connected to the whole Gal- twin galaxies thing and you know the king of kong and all that stuff oh, okay yeah yeah it's it's largest by size but they have a gigantic collection of classic arcade games you should definitely make it on your bucket list um, oh
0: with, um Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, but I have my own, yeah.
1: Okay, cool. I was going to say, but when we uh, went there a couple years ago, finally, and uh, everything was working, you could play, like, to me it's dangerous to let people play the old stuff because it could break, but whatever, it's there. And the only game that was broken was Space Harrier. And I was so sad because that's the only game there I wanted to play. I was a huge Space Harrier fan. I I believe that the genre died out before it could thrive, and yeah, Corey, I was disappointed that you didn't like Air Twister as much, but to be fair, I haven't played it, so you have. Like
2: for, From a gameplay perspective, you know, it, it's literally just Space Harrier, so it's not really offering an experience that you wouldn't have gotten from the arcades of the 80s. And if that's what you're into, it's what you're into. Nothing wrong with that. But also, it is all set to like – it's not actually Queen, by the way. It is this Japanese band that sounds exactly like Queen. You you really just need to see it to believe
1: it. It, it
0: <laughs> boggles the mind.
1: So what's different –
0: Absolutely. Yeah, um uh, it definitely looks like you know an '80s arcade throwback. Um, and I know this is complete tangent for a moment, but if you ever get out to this area, you should check out Galloping Ghost Arcade. It's one of the biggest arcades. At uh, Chicago, right? Yeah, it's yeah. in. Uh, can't remember the exact town, but yes, it's it's right in the area. Um, it's amazing. It's they have games that you can't find anywhere else. Like, um, oh, nice. uh, yeah, like Primal Rage. Two, I think. Um, literally, the only cabinet that exists is there. Um, stuff like that. It's not as, um, I guess, presented as the Fun Spot is, but it's it's actual um, it's absolutely great. Any gamer should make a you know like a pilgrimage out there.
1: By the way, um, uh, I just want to clarify this: Fun Spot may be the largest, it's not the most fun I've ever been to. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. A, let me put it this way: There's like a small Dave and Buster's esque thing at the at the downstairs, which probably gets the money for the place. But this—I don't know—some of that stuff should be behind bars. It, it shouldn't be playable. Like, the- well, that's why I mentioned Galloping Ghost because that's yeah. the same way—they
0: have literal games that you can't. But, and they even take them out to, uh, we have in Chicago, C2E2 is our, you know, big comic book convention, along with, um, uh, there's another one, I can't remember, but. Anyways, uh, they they show up to those sometimes, and they'll literally take these games out, you know, one of a kind, and they just let, you know, the general public, you know, just get their greasy hands all over them. No. And me, as, you know, me, I'm a game historian, I'm a preservationist, um, and uh, it's just seeing that, you know, like, makes my skin crawl, but at the same time, I, I love that they're letting these people play these games that they otherwise wouldn't be able to, and, you know, like, they should be, their games, they should be played. Um, but yeah, I agree, it's, it's, I'm conflicted. Both no, way. but
1: uh, where you live in, like, New Hampshire is a huge thing for gaming history, and so is Chicago. And uh, I remember Ziff Davis was out there with, like, EGM and all that stuff, you know, tips and tricks, and uh, isn't that where the Midway is from? Like,
0: yep. Boone uh, yeah, Boon and the yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we still, Realm is still around here. Um, I think they're in central Illinois now, though. Um, unless they aren't sure. I can't remember, but they're definitely still around here. Um, yeah, we had uh, Bally, uh, Midway. Um, yeah, a bunch of stuff. And it's still huge. Um, yeah. But yeah, we Chicago area was definitely huge for, you know, especially early video game history.
1: This place sounds cool. Uh, when I'm next, time, I was actually thinking about making a trip to Chicago because you're going to laugh because McDonald's has that new version of Starbucks called Cosmics. And it oh, sounds yes. it sounds terrible, but the only one in the world is like forty minutes from Chicago. And uh, I don't know if it's worth the trip, but it's it's interesting. It, it exists. Well I'm, I'm
2: gonna make I'm gonna make a trip to Chicago to go to McDonald's is a very Nathan Evans thing to say. No no no.
1: <laughs> cosmics. Not McDonald's, cosmics.
2: I'm yeah. Sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, it just it
1: sounds so stupid when you say it out loud.
0: Cosmics. You should um, actually make a trip out to Galloping Ghost and, you know, make a side trip to Cosmex. It's really it's really worth it.
1: Well, I have a friend who used to live there. I used to hang out there. It's like I, I do like Chicago quite a bit, and um, I love the boroughs. So now I have to check it out. Galloping Ghost, that is a recommendation. Fun spot if you're on the East Coast. Galloping Ghost if you're near Chicago. Arcade recommendations nice. brought to you by Popsara. So, <laughs> so, Corey, uh, besides that, what else uh, – what else didn't tickle your fancy or is that it?
2: Uh trying to think of anything else in particular that really blew my mind that came out this year or that I've played a lot of this year. And the answer is not really. Um I can suggest a few peripherals since that's a pretty big deal, you know, if you you can't really enjoy your games without something good to play them on, right?
1: Peripherals are good. I like yeah. he's uh by the way, can we just say this uh until you don't understand? He's Corey has become OCD when it comes to controllers. Yes. And he has become, like, legitimately obsessed, um, unhealthily so. Like, we will have to intervene at some point with controllers and peripherals.
0: Okay. well, um, Well, let's say what's your favorite controller for, like, in general, your daily driver, I'd say, then. So I have a couple of those. I have a couple of those. I like the... Let's see. The Scuf
2: Envision Pro. When you're playing games on PC, and this is a PC-specific controller, uh, the Scuf Envision Pro is really hard to beat. It's got those nice micro-switch clicky face buttons. It's got clicky bumpers. It's got adjustable triggers. It all feels really good. You can get it customized, look whatever you want. It has some nice grip on the grips. Uh, definitely worth a look. But I also like the Turtle Beach Stealth Ultra, which comes with a fast charging dock. And it's also got the clicky face buttons. You know, you got the clicky face buttons. That's really all you need in life. Uh, it has a good D-pad. It feels great. And that fast charging dock, really does charge it pretty fast. But the other peripheral, I want to recommend to everybody out there, if you're still listening, if you have, like I do, a gaming PC that you use in your living room, you have it hooked up to the to a big screen TV or whatever, right? And I think that's not uncommon these days because, you know, you can watch cable, you can watch TV, you can watch YouTube videos and movies on a computer. So it's a, a computer is basically an entertainment center, like a focus of your living room these days. And if that's what you're going to do, you owe it to yourself to look into the Couchmaster. The Couchmaster. It's basically. Not where
0: I thought you were going with this.
2: <laughs> it is the Couchmaster. And this thing, right? It's a big, like a, oh, it's shaped Jesus. like a platter a big old keyboard platter and it comes with a pair of foam blocks and this thing is a usb hub that connects to your computer and gives you the ability to use your keyboard and your mouse from your couch you don't have to get up you can control your computer from your couch and you got this thing even if you're on a couch you don't even need like arms on your couch that's what the foam blocks are for this platter sits on top of the foam you got your keyboard and your mouse in front of you this thing is hype as hell you need to look at this Trust me on am, the Couchmaster.
0: I am nega Cory. I hated the Couchmaster. I absolutely hated it. Um, like, I don't know. You're familiar
2: like, with the Couchmaster?
0: Yes. In fact, I have one sitting in a box right now. It's so good. It's horrible. What? Um And I'll tell you
1: why. <laughs>
0: like, um, I'm a I'm a bigger guy. You know, like, um, like I have really big legs. I used to work out a lot in high school. So, I mean, like, you know, I'm not trying to learn But, like, the Couchmaster just does not fit my form whatsoever well if that's the case yeah maybe not absolutely worthless for me like i couldn't get into a position where my legs literally weren't pushing the desk part up you know what i mean since they're not the cushions aren't actually like connected i just i don't know i didn't i didn't like the setup i can see how other people would like it but like i said it's sitting in a box right now i just i couldn't do it
2: so if you are not too swole to use the Couchmaster, <laughs> I assure you that your weakling ass will enjoy it. <laughs> but if you can bend steel bars by looking at them funny, perhaps it is not the but, peripheral for you, and you might want to look into, like, getting a nerd to carry your stuff for you.
1: You know, years you know, ago – I'm not even going to argue with that. <laughs> years ago, years ago, when I actually built a PC for my living room, Corey, years ago – you know, you don't know this story um, – mm-hmm. It was really hard trying to find like a keyboard and mouse that were couch friendly and so what I didn't realize a lot of people would do is they would just take a piece of wood like they would just get like a a shelf piece like from a you know from a bookcase and put a put a, a little padding under it like a, like a pillow and that would be your couchmaster
2: so just, in theory, yeah that that works fine uh, so and the other thing that I hear a lot about the couchmaster is why don't you just get a wireless keyboard and mouse? And I'll tell you why. When you're in a living room with a modern television, with several different modern game consoles, with people's phones, with people's tablets, that produces a ton of RF interference. Let me assure you that your wireless keyboard and mouse will not work for the things you intend them for if what you intend them for is playing Doom Eternal on a television while sitting between a pair of foam cushions with this platter thing in front of you and ensuring that you will be celibate for the rest of your life. It's worth it though. Couchmaster. Couchmaster. Couchmaster.
1: The uh it's funny the Couchmaster decals all have like dead space stuff on it. So, there you go. I don't know why you don't it, like it Antel. it's got it's got your favorite game of the year all over it. Couchmaster. That's <laughs> couch a master. That's the first time I've ever heard you mention this, Corey. You've never mentioned Couchmaster before.
2: I think I sent you pictures of the Couchmaster at one point, but you may have been distracted by all the pictures of my many, many, many
0: controllers. Yeah, OCD, by the done, way. They must have done a huge PR push for this, because I see a bunch of videos this year. They, Yeah, that's that's how they got me, but yeah. I'm, I I really actually
2: like... I didn't even get one for free. I actually purchased it, because for the longest time, I was trying to <laughs> find a solution to the issue of, like... I'm sitting with my wireless keyboard and mouse that are less than ten feet away from this computer, and they're still—they still, they still kind of suck. Like the reception's still pretty bad. I still don't feel like I could play Doom on Super Baby Weakling week- mode, and I'd still lose. With the Couchmaster, I can play on John Swole Big Man and Tall mode, and I do pretty
0: good. <laughs> well, see, that's why I just—I learned how to be good with a controller too. So I mean, you know,
2: that, that would probably also
0: help. Yes. That's the control- the
1: controller is the solution you were looking for, Corey. Not a you know, couch. <laughs> well, master. you know,
2: it's good because I have like twenty solutions now. <laughs> that's true, and not even counting the couch master. That's true. Anyway, that's the games I like. The games I didn't like. Stuff you should play: Sonoby. Stuff you shouldn't: Final Fantasy sixteen, But if you still feel the need to, go ahead. But definitely don't play Flashback Two.
1: Okay, that's a that's an impressive, uh, surprising list. By the way, I, I would say both of you have surprising lists. That don't line up with the game of the year awards elsewhere, and that's what I love about it. It's different. But, what about um, you, though? Yeah, so I started this year thinking I actually didn't play very much, and it turns out I played a lot more than I thought. But I think if you get my, I won't be as uh, descriptive as either of you because we've you you know these games too. But I think it says a lot about who I am and who I've become as a gamer when you, see my, well, when you see when you hear my list. So I'll, I'll just say this. I'll start off with the, the stuff that was in the middle. Um, I'll start off with this. Uh, Dead Space Remake. Like, like I didn't like it as much as Antel, and I thought a lot of it was too telegraphed to be scary. It wasn't so much scary for me, Antel. It was like, damn it, I have to fight these damn things again. And and I have to watch it. I have to watch and I have to watch an unskippable cinematic. But other than that, though, I did enjoy it. Um, the only problem is I played it after I played the Resident Evil 4 remake, so I played it in opposite order. So I mean, I know they're different things. I know they're different things, but unfortunately, you, you can't help who you love. So um, like you, I also liked Marvel Spider-Man 2. Although I do have a comment about this game. Just comment. I think this is it. I don't think I can play another one um there's the after a while it becomes really repetitious, and you could tell where like the you could see the seam points where they just sit they just start copying and pasting villains and copying and pasting scenarios so it just keeps the game going and going and going and going um but for me, I enjoyed it for what it was but it 's something i like you have to dedicate some time to because there 's a lot of grinding in this game it's it 's very long but it 's very grindy uh here 's another game that neither of you mentioned, but i 'll mention it. Uh, RoboCop: Rogue City. So did either of you play it? Yes, I yeah. I
0: actually just recently played it and I loved it. I I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, that was it was great. Um,
1: it's actually yeah, no, kind I'll... of it's kind of hilarious, isn't it? Like it's it's actually yes. very funny.
0: Um, set between RoboCop two and three, if I remember correctly.
1: Um, I don't think it matters. <laughs> like the story, the the, <laughs> the story doesn't really follow the movies, although it does steal all like the likenesses of the characters. And it gets some really I'll just say this guys and I remember how you said you were criticizing a game that you liked. I'm gonna criticize Robocop. Um, I don't think the game looks that great. I think it looks good. Um, I know it's a budget game. I think it's one of the worst looking good looking games I've ever seen. like I told Corey. Um, it looks really good, then it doesn't look really good. and it's it's fun. but when everything clicks and you're actually playing Robocop, and you actually and the music comes in, you know, the Basil Theopolis music comes in and you're and you're using the gun to shoot people because let's be honest, the only gun that matters is the RoboCop gun. Everything else sucks. Um, and you blow heads off and they explode. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yes. And then it gives you missions, your RoboCop. And one of your first missions, you have to do paperwork. Yeah, have- <laughs> I
0: know. Oh my god, yes. You're you're like writing tickets and stuff. Yeah.
1: You're actually doing police work.
0: It's a better police Corey, game than that police simulator
1: game. Yeah, exactly. Did you play how far did you play, Corey? Did you get to the part where you have to like field complaints from citizens and answer questions?
2: <laughs> no, I actually didn't know that's a thing that happens. I kinda wanna play more of it now.
1: No, it's fun. Um it, it goes off a little too long, but it's it's again, this is a budget game. This is this is not a three hundred million dollar game. Um, but it just makes you realize what a great IP RoboCop is and how underutilized it is. Although, I will say this, Peter Weller, they got him back as RoboCop, um, and he goes for it. He's delivering lines like he's in Shakespeare. It's it's a little weird. It's a little weird when all the characters look like the movie characters, and I don't know if any of them are still alive. Like, I think half the cast is dead.
0: But, uh, uh, I forgot um, the actress that played Lewis. Uh, yeah. She declined yeah. reprising her role. Um, that's all I know.
1: They still used her anyway. <laughs> like yep. they still cut her face in there. Uh, talk about AI. But no, it's it's a fun game, and when everything clicks, it's pretty thrilling. Uh, the movements right. Um, I just like I said, it's perfect setup for a sequel. I'll just say that. Um, Lies of P is a fantastic version of how you can plagiarize Dark Souls completely. Just. Completely, like the developers could be like heads of Harvard. Like the plagiarization is so perfect. And if you like Dark Souls, you'll like Liza P. Like did you put did you play this at all Antel? I know Corey loves it, but like like when I say plagiarize, I mean like they actually copy animations. they copy everything, just wholesale.
0: No, I didn't get to it. Um, I kind of got burnt by a lot of games. Souls likes so it. People are like, "This is fantastic," and I play it, and I hated it. But it seems like Lies of P is legit, and I, I gotta give it.
1: Yeah, Lies. If you're if you're willing to, if you if you know what you're getting into, because if it's a Souls game or a Souls-like game, then you realize that you're about to dedicate a large portion of your life for the next couple of weeks to this. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you don't want that, then avoid it. Like, save it for later. But it's you can't play it casually. You just can't. Um, another game that nobody mentioned, but I know, Corey, I think you really like this, um, Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon.
2: I did like Armored Core 6, yeah. but in fact, I probably could have put that as a Souls clone, given how it yeah. plays.
1: But it's pretty extraordinary. It's, it, again, it's like a Souls game. You you better prepare yourself. It's going to take some of your time. Uh, but it looks absolutely stunning on everything it's on. Um, it's got, like, I'll, I'll say this, as much as, as good as Liza P is, Corey, um, it's not... You know, it's not a, uh, it's not a from software game. From software knows scale better than anybody else. They understand this. Uh, Armored Core Six has scale. It's amazing, and it's nice to see this franchise that, is still that alive. That is very true. Yeah, it's it's you you could tell the real thing from not the real thing, and it's good. And it's not Sekiro, and it's not Elden Ring, and it's not it's Armored Core, and we haven't had one in a long time. So there you go. Um, Moving up the list real quick. Uh, here's a game that, no, again, none of you mentioned, but I like it. Uh, Humanity. Did you anybody play this? Is that puzzle game from the makers of Tetris Effect.
0: That sounds uh, way, too,
2: way too thinky for me.
1: It's
0: actually yeah, right up my alley. I didn't actually yeah. Play this
1: one. Humanity is one of the best games of the year if you're into puzzle games. It may be the best puzzle game of the year, to be honest with you. How did
0: I miss it then? How did I miss this?
1: Um, it is It is extraordinary. It's one of the best-looking video games I have ever seen um it is you play a little shibu dog as he guides just endless humanity uh, think of it like tetris effect meets lemmings and you have a good idea and i didn't play it in vr because i don't have vr but Corey, apparently it runs it's one of the best games in psvr 2 on the playstation 5 but it's
2: i'll it's, check that out in that case and it's on a uh, I i believe it's on playstation plus as well
1: yeah it's it's really good i i just watch a video of it and it it has a story that it expands as you go to keep the, the elements fresh, but it's a game that came and went, didn't really get a lot of traction. But it looks fantastic. Again, if you're used to Tetris, if you know Tetris Effect, if you know uh, what's it, what's that other game they made? Um, the Tetris Effect people made it was really big on PS2. Uh, was it Res? Was it Re- did they make Res?
0: Yes, I want to say yes.
1: Yeah, I- like the like a very good version of like gaming and art. With good music put together, and humanity is, is as good as any of those. So there you go. Uh, let's see here, another one. I don't know if this counts as a game, but I'll put it in here because, damn it, I can do it. Uh, the making of Karatika, and I. Full disclosure: I did interview the one of the head developers, Chris Chris Kohler, over there at Digital Eclipse Game. Um, if, if you remember, I put Atari fifty anniversary on my list last year, and this is on the list for the same reason. This is you, you. you said you're into games mm-hmm. preservation. Um, yes, sir. These are the best we got. Like they're the best. <laughs> I know.
0: I this is an absolutely. It's kind of. It's hard to argue that this is kind of a game, so much as like it's a, a presentation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Uh. I absolutely. I don't know if you read. Uh. Jordan Mechner actually wrote a book about uh, making Karateka. He did. Uh, or yeah. Uh, Karateka, however you want to pronounce he's it. He's got it's another. Princip-
1: he's got another one coming out too this year.
0: Uh, for which game? Because he did one for Prince of Persia.
1: He's got a graphic novel coming out that's actually about his dad. And oh, did you play? Okay. You play? Have you played The Making of Taka? Did you watch it?
0: No, I, I've seen clips of it, but I've been meaning to. I'm going to sit down and go through it. Um, oh please, sometime, but I,
1: it'll take you two hours. It's real quick, you know. But uh, no, his dad. His dad made the game with him. Like he did the soundtrack, he was the motion capture person, you know. He he did everything. His dad, and it's the best part of the thing. It's watching a father and son, and the and the father who, of course, escaped the Nazis, you know, and became a professor. Like it's fascinating. It's a really interesting story um, that, frankly, is better than the game itself. (laughs) So, like, look, I don't mean any disrespect towards uh, Karatika or Karatika, however you like. But at the end of the day. The story is 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 more important than the product, and I liked it a lot. And I again, if you're a fan of Jordan Mechner and everything, please play it. You'll you'll like it too. I, I can't see you not.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I actually played Karatika the non uh, like um, documentary version for the first time a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I actually had a fun exchange with Jordan Mechner on Twitter about it um, because I was complaining about the bird enemy. That came out of nowhere <laughs> because you know you're you're fighting yeah. dudes the whole time and everything's normal and, and then you... a bird comes out of nowhere and one shots you and boom yep. it runs over. So I had a, I had a tweet to him about that. And that was that was an amusing exchange. But
1: you're gonna uh, compl- yeah
0: I definitely got to check that out.
1: Complain about a a forty year old gameplay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but um no I'll just say this though again I I'll say it again every once in a while you you see something that clicks. And in the world of video games, this is something that can only happen in a video game. Like, itself is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's an interactive timeline. And you actually, no spoiler, you actually play an interactive, how do I say this? An interactive version of uh, Karataka that is itself a documentary. It doesn't make any sense when I say it like that. But when you see it, you'll understand. You'll you'll know when you see
0: it. Is it... Like the commentary mode for the Valve games, where they come in, you're playing the game, but then you know you also hear about the game, and they take away your control at some points and things like that. It's um,
1: it's kind of it. It's it's more it's more uh, activated interaction. Like interesting. The, yeah, the the commentary will come on while you're playing to demonstrate it. It's again, I'm being it sounds like I'm being mean here. The game itself is not as interesting as the story to me because again, you talked about flashback a few minutes ago, the crappy sequel to the remake. Like, the original flashback was itself a response to, you know, Karatika and Prince of Persia. Yes, you know? yep. And by the way, I know, Corey, you've been playing the new Prince of Persia game, and you think it's excellent. Everybody seems to love it.
2: It is. It is rock solid. It's
1: very good. Yep, and it's, mm-hmm. it's much more like, like a Metroid Dread, you know, than it is like the, the, the recent Ubisoft one. So we'll go from there. But anyway, uh, making uh, Karatika play it, it's like almost nothing. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush, a game that Corey and I both like that nobody else seemed to play Um, give it a chance, it's a lot of fun it's short, it's not going to take it's not a Souls game you don't have to dedicate a lot of your life to it Um, but yeah, it's a weird quirky mix of rhythm and action so you don't see that a lot Uh, let's see, here's another one, Resident Evil 4 Remake Um, it's probably my second favorite of the remakes um, because it had the least far to go Like, Resident Evil 2, I love the original Resident Evil 2, I love the remake, I think the remake is better than the original, I think it fixes problems and it it updates it. Uh, Resident Evil 3 is not a great game, and the remake is just a better version of that. Resident Evil 4 is still good, although my only complaint is that it's not really a horror game, really, it's more of an action game. And there are no zombies, so, it's true. But I don't know, did you, neither of you guys mentioned Resident Evil 4.
0: Uh, no, actually I've never played Resident Evil 4 either in its original end, like at all in the remake or not. I, didn't, I was a huge Resident Evil fan growing up and uh, you know life that was right around mm-hmm. the time when life grabbed me when Resident Evil 4 originally uh, came out so I missed it then And I, I have it.
1: I just haven't I
0: haven't gone through it yet.
1: I I'll, um, I'll just say this the the GameCube original um, is basically a genre starter. You know, we we saw it perfected in, like, Gears of War and everything, but it kind of all really started with Resident Evil 4. Like, Mm -hmm. it's where it really got it right, and it just happened to be a sequel to another genre starter, which you don't really see a lot in a a non-Nintendo game, I'll say that. Um, But anyway, uh, excellent. Don't play the iPhone version, by the way. Like, you can, but you probably shouldn't. So, play it on a console that can handle it, or a PC that can handle it. So, anyway... Uh, next two games I'm just going to smoosh them together because I loved them both so much and I said this is what I was promising before Antel Uh, I played the hell out of Doom this year, specifically uh, Doom Sigil 2 and I remember Doom hit 30 years old in December, I don't know if you you marked your calendar and threw a party but uh, Hmm. John Romero released a new campaign called Sigil 2, the sequel to his uh, 2019 Sigil and it was a lot of fun and i i'm playing i'm still playing doom in <laughs> 2023 and 24
2: did you uh did you play that house map
1: yeah i was going to say um uh, i did and that isn't that strange like in 2023 doom was relevant again for a lot of people and it's not like a new version of doom or enhance it you know it's just doom it's just wads to the original doom like uh what do you think what you think did you play uh it's my house right uh corey i know you did you play yep. it or did you just watch a lot of people just watched it on youtube
2: i uh, i did play it and it's um you know it's one of those again you can't really talk much about it without spoiling it but um if you're willing to put in the 10 minutes or so it takes to set up a version of doom that can run custom maps and custom wads it's well worth that time
1: it's pretty set up for if you have like g g, g doom or what's it called um oh goodness gracious. G- doom. yeah g, that's it yeah, it's pretty simple. Just drop it, dra- drag and drop. But um, did you play My Wad Antel or? or no, I
0: don't. A- I appreciate uh, no spoilers because they are on a long list of um, backlog games and stuff I gotta get to.
1: I, uh, if you would have had on my bucket list for 2023, someone utilizing the framework of Doom to tell a compelling emotional story about trauma wouldn't have been on there it would have been like that's the sort of thing you need like an emotionally manipulative walking simulator game that you know Corey's favorite genre but the fact that they were able to do this story inside the Doom engine is pretty damn cool like I, I don't know how I'm feeling about that but it's pretty interesting um, that being said Doom Sigil 2 is none of those things <laughs> it's completely just badass and blow away demons and it you know what's funny about Doom it just it it's like Super Mario Brothers it's like Tetris it's sorta of perfect the way it is. And they've made other versions of it that are different and add to it. But at the end of the day I think there's something perfect about the Doom engine and that you know, those graphics and those sounds and those chunkiness. And it just scratches an itch that really nothing else scratches. And I'm it's good to know that I'm not alone, that other people agree and they, they like the original Doom. It's you know, you, you Doom twenty sixteen, Doom Eternal doesn't replace it. It's still Doom and it's still there. Um, so I don't know. I, I recommend Sigil two. I recommend Sigil one. And I recommend Doom in general. You'll never, it'll never end. It's here forever. Yeah, so, I've actually
0: uh, just did a fresh game or playthrough of Doom since I was a kid um, this year. So yeah, absolutely. It's a great game. So. Yeah,
1: it is. And it, by the way, and if you have Doom already, like on Game Pass or Switch or PC or anything, you have Sigil 2. It's there. It, it offers it to you when you go into the add-ons. It's there. You don't have to pay for it. So go, good, good on John Romero, who finally realizes his place in life is to do Doom maps until the end of time. So, see, we, we forgive you for Daikatana. So, by the way, I read his I read his autobiography this year too. It's a interesting story. Uh, anyway, going back to the list, real quick, banging these out. Quake Two Remastered. I mentioned this before to you, Antel, when you talked about System Shock. Um, this is the best remaster I have ever played of an old game because it doesn't really muck with it. It just touches it. It just touches it where it needs to be touched. And it's fast, it's fluid, it's multi-platform, it's got a brand new campaign from Sledgehammer Games. Um, it fixes every problem the original Quake Two had. Some people will scoff because it's not beautiful and it doesn't like it doesn't have like whatever whatever. It's the original Quake with just some bug bug fixes. And the new campaign is really good. I've never liked Quake Two very much. I love this game. I love it. Ask it I wouldn't shut up about it. So Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, he still talks about it to this day. I'm talking about it right now. Wake morning,
2: Oh, it's a beautiful day, like when I found a nail gun, but,
1: quake. But you know what the funny thing is, though, Intel, about this, is that it's multi-platform, and it, just, and it just comes out now, and that just seems like a miracle to me, that you can play this game on your PC or your you know, your Steam Deck versus your Switch versus your PlayStation, your Xbox and everything. That's pretty cool. That's I wish more games were like that. So And that's co-op. Uh, the other one going up is speaking of uh, boomer shooters, uh, Warhammer forty thousand bolt gun. I really got it. I'm not even. A, I'm not even a the, Warhammer fan. The only fan.
2: person I've ever heard in my life who calls it Warhammer forty thousand.
1: I'm not going to say forty k. What should I say?
2: You should probably say forty k.
1: Forty k, but that that means I'm a fan. I'm not a. Tra- mm-hmm. I'm not a, I'm not. That means I'm a fellow traveler. I'm not a fellow traveler. I'm a sellout. <laughs> like, I, I'm only here for this game. <laughs> I'm,
2: a, I'm afraid you're a fellow driver.
1: <laughs> I can't, I, I don't know tabletop stuff, I don't know figurines, I don't know dice, but I know bolt Gun because it's, because it's basically a crunchy doomer, but I'll say this, um, I actually think this game does better than what the Source Engine games did a couple years ago with like Iron Fury and everything. I think this is a better version. I think, what do you call it? It's just Unreal Engine? to to make the aesthetics look like doom or to make it look like a uh, crunchy... maybe
0: you're talking about the build engine? Um... The build
1: engine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Is that the build engine? I see I, I don't I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh... <laughs> um, it's funny
0: um, I well no, talk about why you like Bolt gun because I, I have an opposite opinion.
1: Well, I like Bolt gun because it's not pretentious. Like it it's straightforward. It doesn't require you to do lore. It doesn't require you to have mechanics. Um I was scared it was gonna have like tabletop gaming in it. No, it doesn't, doesn't do any of that. It's again it's very similar to Doom to me. And I think that's why I like it. I don't I don't think it's complicated. I think I like the fact that the game is limited by design and it knows what it wants to be. Um I don't think it's as good as Doom. I but I think again you know when you look at these throwback games like Iron Fury which is fine um I didn't really care for the the spin off one very much. What was it called? Corey, um, Aftershock, what was it called? The the DLC that came out this year? I forget. You uh,
2: said people. spinoff, but if you're referring to the DLC, it's Aftershock. <coughs>
1: Aftershock. Or, um, you know, the serious Sam theft. Like, it's... I get what they're trying to do, and I don't like any of them really much, but Gun, I think, captured the feeling of that type of gameplay better than most. And I, I guess I'm just done with cinematics. Like, sometimes I don't want cinematics. I don't want story. I don't want any of that, you know, that depth adding stuff. I just wanna shoot things and I don't want it complicated. I I I don't know how else to explain it better than that. Uh,
0: I think my problem uh, with Bolt Gun was it's uh, like it has great like art direction, uh, the weapons feel fantastic, the enemies are fun and varied. It just has really terrible maps. Like the level design is horrible.
1: But it's all open. Boring. It's all it's all open space. You notice that? Like a like a quick yes. free map. The bosses were in the yeah,
0: I I felt like the game would have been a classic if it actually just had some good level design and people i feel like uh a lot of uh, developers making boomer shooters i hate the term by the way but you know it's, i have to accept it um a lot of people you know making boomer shooters uh don't realize how important uh level design is to a good shooter because i mean like look at doom versus doom 2. doom 2 is fantastic adds a lot of cool great new enemies new weapons the levels suck and that's how i felt about 40k or a uh, bolt gun um it's just absolutely terrible level design
1: well I think that's and I'm not excusing it but I think that's the influence of the Doom reboot whereas the Doom reboot focused a lot on putting you into a melee room and having you just survive you know encounters whereas like the original Doom like the original you know it's software to them, it was intricate like you said the levels are amazing like and by the way the sigil levels are amazing you know they're intricate they're you don't know what's around the corner from you are you going to be able to guide that enemy as opposed to just throwing yourself into a big room and being frantic and like everyone's high on you know digital cocaine and just survive and i think bolt gun is more like the doom reboot than the classic doom and i i completely agree with you no, by the way.
0: yeah you're right and that's the nail on the head the reason i didn't like it um well at the level design too um yeah absolutely i agree with that
1: but I think if it was like 30 different levels, if it went on, I think I probably would have got bored with it. But it does, like I said, I I enjoyed it for what it was. I don't, it's harder to do those games than it looks. Like, I just, I'm just tired of cinematics, you know what I mean? I'm tired of, I'm, you know, I'm, I am nothing against Call of Duty or anything, but sometimes I just want to shoot something and not really think about it, but, um... But no, if it makes you feel any better, I did prefer the original Doom over Bullcut. <laughs> like I was, I'm still playing the original Doom. I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm going back in time, so. Well, with those comments? It's funny because you liked RoboCop so much, but RoboCop was kind of
0: the uh, antithesis to that. It's like all cutscenes, and mm-hmm. they only—I thought RoboCop. I skipped the hell out of the
1: cuts. I skipped the cutscenes like, <laughs> because because the, the the person here's the thing. RoboCop is a perfect movie. Can we just say that the original RoboCop, the Paul Verhoeven movie, is perfect? I, I love agree. that movie. I love that, and I even love the second one. But the person who who made the RoboCop game, the people, they obviously love the movie too, but they have no business making movies. <laughs> Because the cutscenes in RoboCop are <laughs> atrocious. They're atrocious. They're they are. awful. They're really bad, and the voice acting is really bad. So I just, if I want to like RoboCop Intel, I have to fast forward the cinematics. Because if I'm exposed it's to myself, fair. I don't want to play the game. Um, and by the way, I can like two different things. I contain multitudes. You know, I'm. I can you know, be. That's, that's fair. <laughs> just, you know, trying to
0: trying to get the nuances here, trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's like I said, it's and. We, we didn't even mention the game that Corey, that Corey liked a little more than I think I did. We will before we end. Um, but just to, to shore this up, I only got a couple more, and I'll make it quick. Uh, Street Fighter VI. Um, besides Quake Two, I probably played Street Fighter Six more than I played any other game last year. And a lot of that time was spent being trashed and smashed. Um, it's very deflating. Um, Corey likes Street Fighter Six more than I do, and I like it a lot. But the game is horribly unbalanced. And I think a lot of people have realized that. Um, Corey, what's the old man on the game with the tight pants?
2: Old man with the tight pants. JP. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, every time I encounter, I just, I wanted to rage quit sometime because the game is so... Now,
2: you know, now I've said it before and I'll say it again. People who lose, they can talk about balance, but...
1: It's frustrating. Like, the game, the game isn't, like, I don't know. It, It feels like there's two different games fighting each other, and I think, um if you're willing to see the nuance for it, what it is, you can learn it. But it's difficult when, you know, it's you feel like you're more reacting than you are you're being defensive as opposed to offensive. And I spend most of my time being defensive. And I, I just don't like the feeling of that. But outside of the old man with the pants, um, I enjoyed Street Fighter Six quite a bit. And I love the art direction. I love the way the game looks. I love the sound. I love it's so much better than Street Fighter V ever was on its best day out of the box. That it, it, yeah, it's one of the best games of 2023, 20, easily. Even with the flaws. Even though the fact that Corey beat me, which is a flaw. So, uh, we've already talked about Super Mario Wonder. I don't know what else I can add to it other than, again, the game is astonishing. It's one of the best games of the year. Uh, I'm really glad that people responded to it. But if there's ever a franchise that doesn't need any help, it's the Mario Brothers. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they know what they're doing. Uh, another game that neither of you guys mentioned, so I'll have to say it. Uh, the Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I'll say this. I did
2: mention it. I said you were going to talk about yeah,
1: it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, uh, the thing about it is that I think it, it was so popular and it was so well reviewed and it was so, so gushed over that I think sometimes people become contrarian just to be contrarian. And I think, I don't know if you agree with me, Anton, or not. I know you and Corey are both tabletop people. I know you both like, I don't, do you like Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, yeah,
0: I'm. I'm a big tabletop. I, you know, well, I'm Dungeons and Dragons adjacent, But yeah, <laughs>
1: okay, Jason. Um, I'm. I'm not, and I have nothing against the games at all. I, I feel like Dungeons and Dragons the way I do like about Madden football. I recognize it for what it is, just not for me. But um, this is a game that I think was so well received that I think people just became contrarian about it, and they didn't necessarily remember it when they said their game of the year for the most part. But you guys said you were tabletop people. Uh, I was going to say, I did the research and I looked at how many people, uh, what they they said their favorite game of the year was. And it came out to basically two things. And it all depends on your affinity for Dungeons & Dragons. And for those people that love Dungeons & Dragons and love tabletop games, it was Baldur's Gate 3. And for people who don't have the affinity for Dungeons & Dragons, it was The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And, and there's a third group that for some reason thought Alan Wake 2 was the best game of the year, but those are very, that's a minority of people. You didn't really see a lot of that, but they exist. They're out there. So, But uh, really quick before I say my last thoughts, um, Corey, I know, I know you said you'd kind of farm it out, but like, what did you think of Zelda? Uh,
2: Zelda was fantastic. Um, it's interesting that I have kind of differing views in terms of like length and value between that and Sandrock um i didn't finish zelda but i feel like i could go back to zelda and still feel like i'm making progress and that i haven't really missed much by being away from it um i with sandrock which again a 150 hour long farming game i feel that if i left it and let it go and go play something else for a week and i i just wouldn't want to come back
1: no when and done yeah
2: yeah exactly <laughs> uh zelda though you no know, zelda's the kind of thing you can keep going for months like play it for a couple hours every so often, off and on, and that's good stuff. You know, it's solid that you can keep doing it and feel good about it. So even though there's a huge amount of content, just this ungodly amount of content, you never really feel like you're wasting your time.
1: Well, it's, uh, again, there's been criticism that the game, you know, hews too closely to Breath of the Wild, but I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to feel about that. Antel, um, what about you? Any special tingles for Zelda?
0: Well, it's kind of funny, because I actually finally beat Breath of the Wild this year, or last year, I should say, in anticipation of Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, and then I played the intro to Tears of the Kingdom, and then I just got busy. Um, so I have no real opinion either way. It looks great.
1: How can it look great? It's on old hardware. You're not allowed to look great. <laughs> it, it looks terrible.
0: It looks like a fun time. Two, star- Two stars.
1: Qualify. No, it's... um. <laughs> But, I mean, Corey, you, you kind of mentioned that Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was probably a last hurrah for the Switch. Um, I guess you could add Mario to that as well. But it it's a gigantic, sprawling game that takes... I think we can all agree that it takes the premise of Breath of the Wild and basically adds to it. So it's maybe less of a true sequel-sequel than a continuation. But one quick thing. Uh, we don't need to, like, talk about Zelda. It, you It sold... Massively, it sold 20 million copies in like a, what two days. So you're playing this, you you don't need us to tell you. But you know, Nintendo did announce that their next movie is going to be The Legend of Zelda. I don't know if you heard of this. I I thought it was a contest between Zelda and Metroid. I was kind of hoping for Metroid, but I I lost. It's going to be Zelda. Uh, did you hear the comment that the director made about what he wants his movie to be like?
0: I don't think I might have. Uh, it sounds familiar, but no, I don't
1: remember it. It's um it's being produced by a lot of the it's being produced by Sony of all things so Sony's actually doing the Zelda movie which is ironic Um, a lot of the people that worked on the Spider-Man the Spider-Verse movies are working on it but um, the director his name is uh, what's his name Wes Ball Uh, he he's doing the uh, the new Planet of the Apes franchise he said he wants his Zelda movie to look and feel like a Miyazaki film and I thought that was an interesting choice because he said he's getting away from Star Wars so we'll see it's a the, the Super Mario movie made a lot of money, and it repositioned Nintendo, and the Zelda could do the same. We'll see. But I think um, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, uh, one of many, 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 many great games of 2023, a year that is so good. Um, I mentioned this before, and I'll, I'll close it with this. Uh, can either of you remember the last time you had a year that was just overflowing with so many good choices?
0: Oh, not since the 90s, like yeah. maybe 97, 98, something that's, like that. That's for
1: sure. I was about to say 97, 98, yep. yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, can we count two years as one year? Uh, 97, 98 was for me too. And I think we're all in agreement. I think that's the only time all three of us have agreed on anything, that 97 that's and 98 was awesome. <laughs>
2: so, oh, right? oh, come on. We all loved you, song, right?
1: Well, <laughs> oh, come on. Well, we loved to rag on it, so it's – no, but, but seriously, though, I think that's a sign of the times when that even – uh, we haven't even mentioned things like uh, – goodness gracious, Corey, what was that game from Microsoft with the vampires? Uh, that uh, Redfall. It was terrible. Yeah, we didn't mention – really. we didn't talk about Redfall. We won't. We didn't mention the Gollum game. We won't. We didn't mention all that stuff because, frankly, why waste time with crap? There's too much good stuff out there. There's Like this list is just the beginning. This, there's – Whatever we said on here, there's 10 times as many good games out there. Like It goes well beyond the top 10. And I think with that, that's a good place to wrap up because we've gone a little too far with the goodness. And with that, I want to thank everybody again for listening to the State of Gaming Wrap-Up uh, for 2023. This, is the, this was the best, the worst, and everything else of the games we loved, we liked, we didn't like of 2023. Special guest once again, Mr. Antal bokar Antal, thank you again. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I love being
1: on the show. Thanks, guys. Awesome, and Corey, uh, as usual. Well, people know where you are. They know where you stand. They'll get more of you later. So
2: absolutely, they yeah. can't have enough of me. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Um, if you like everything on there, yeah, play around. Just you know, and we will see everybody on the next level. Bye bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Pop Zara podcast. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or service.